Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or riding your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hi. Hey. How are you doing with your new computer? Your Theseus ship of a computer. Uh, well, everything seems fine so far. I've been having issues with, like, sound stuff. Uh, the oh, sound yeah. hardware on this thing is not great, but otherwise, uh, yeah. Right, so, got if LEDs. Audio, so if the audio levels are off, it's something I'm trying to dial in here. Uh, George is being extremely unhelpful with every attempt to try <laughs> to get this straightened out, so uh, that's nothing new. We just spent, like, the last... 40 minutes trying to troubleshoot this thing I thought that we found a good place uh, For now, sure Until later when There's you decide of... to wander around the room <laughs> While recording Sometimes I get up And I don't really remember where I'm at Yeah, like Joe Biden I'm seeing the neurologist that we've been over Yes I refuse to pay people Uh huh. And I don't know where I am most of the time I'm just like Joe Biden Exactly Yeah Hey, I think our podcast is killing JR well, you know, sometimes you gotta make sacrifices I think it's working That thing that we try to do Oh, yeah Yeah, yeah now Good. we just, you know Need never to keep wor- invoking Betty White I was gonna say, it never worked on Betty White That's no, why we had to try it on a more malleable target Do you think she has, like, a like a protection spell cast on her or something? <laughs> because it works <laughs> on everything yes. else Yeah Maybe she's the source of the curse. Maybe when she finally passes, this all goes away. Oh, maybe. Yeah. She's the the what? What's the thing in Harry Potter? Uh oh. Um. But is like a phylactery. No, it's like <laughs> it's like a phylactery in Dragon Age. The phylactery has been sent to dinner dinner room. No, that doesn't matter. Dumbledore. I don't care. Yes. I'm just saying Harry Potter things I know You've seen all the Harry Potter movies at least You should know what I'm talking about The things they're like they have We just got done power. that I get up and wander around the room And I don't know where I'm at Like True. I don't remember anything about Harry Potter at this point It doesn't matter I saw the Left first two movies ago. and they both sucked And so I never watched any more And I read the first mm. four books And I started the fifth and thought Oh this isn't actually fun to read I don't have any interest in this anymore Even as a child so that's the extent of my Harry Potter knowledge. I heard they're going to put trans characters in the Harry Potter video game. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. Sure. JK Rowling is going to really appreciate that. Wasn't there something about like uh one of the developers was like very like transphobic or something like that? Probably. Work on a Harry Potter I... thing? Yeah, like Well, not no necessarily. You'll know. Uh, uh. You don't have to be aligned with the views of the like 
the creator of the IP. I'm sure there are plenty of people who worked on Tron games that didn't give a crap about Tron, like John Vignacki. He hates Tron, yeah. but he was still Look, overseeing guess... Tron Evolution or whatever that one was called. Yeah. There's no Tron 2.0, I can tell you that. Yeah. Man, was there anything in the news? Uh, no, not really. Great. Which is a kind of a good thing because actually, like, I had read and watched and played a lot of things, and now I got to talk about it. Cool, that's something. We both watched uh, Lupin the first, though, so maybe we should start with that. Should we, or should we still start with what we've been playing, which is the format uh, of the show before we veer yeah. into other directions? I sure because we don't I do would... movies that much. They can no. kind of exist anywhere in this podcast. That's true. But we do uh, have a return of comics corner later on though. Yes. So that goes last? Yes. Or before retro okay. Think yes, because most people don't care about comics corner, so then they can turn it off. Uh so well, they I, should because it's going to be a Jeff Lemire power hour today. Yeah. Um so I have been playing a little game called Persona 5 Strikers. Hmm. What's Here- Persona? Here's the thing. That is way more of a Persona game than I thought it would be. <laughs> I've been seeing you post pictures of it, and it is a lot of just, like, the sort of out-in-the-world dialogue stuff yeah. that you would get in Persona. It, and it looks just like Persona is yeah. the thing. There, it is Persona, except when you trigger a battle, it's, like, sort of Musou-style instead of turn-based. That's it. Everything else about mm. it is 100% Persona. You have dungeons, you uh, have, well, you don't have S-Links, but there's no time element in it, but mm. uh, still it's like set dungeons, it's just there are enemies out in the world and you trigger battles with them, except when you trigger it, it will spawn a little mob of guys and you mash buttons until they're dead. But you still have various personas, you can summon them, you can fuse them, uh, you have guns, you have equipment, you have uh, accessories... Items, crafting, like cooking, all this stuff. How many mobs of Jack Frost are there in the game? I haven't encountered many Jack Frost, actually. A lot of, um, uh, Sandman. You went from having me kind of, like, interested in this, and then you told me that there's not a lot of Jack Frost, and I'm, like, back to not being interested in it Well, I probably just haven't encountered them yet. I'm sure they're there somewhere, because I've seen screenshots of lots of Jack Frost's Lots of pixies, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh I got a, uh, I got a pyro jack, so that's that. When you that's have something. a horde of dinosauruses, that you're really going to have some trouble. Yeah, that dude likes to party. Uh huh. One of him is is enough. Don't want to encounter a horde of great maras. <laughs> oh no, I didn't even consider that. But like. <laughs> There's so terrible, but yeah, you like because this is a sequel to Persona Five. Like you just have the whole crew available from the start, also. Um, and so you have a lot of options for how you want to kill things. Uh, just my my main issue with the game so far is that it is very difficult to tell what is going on from looking at it because you have all of your party members on screen. Uh, about half of the screen is taken up with huge UI elements, uh, and the camera is terrible. And you can mm. mitigate the camera somewhat, 
by turning off the auto centering on some things but for some reason there's an option that says um turn off auto center when you summon a persona and that only means when you like hold down the trigger to summon your persona where you would cast a spell there are attacks you do like square 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 triangle that will summon your persona and have them do a spell it's like a free version of the spell so it's not as strong but you can exploit elemental weaknesses that way um but when you do that it always centers the camera behind you and i hate it it just makes everything like really annoying but yeah with all of the chaos going on and so many giant things on the screen taking up space uh i find that the battles to not be super fun but the rest of it's good sonic adventure recently so i know a thing or two about bad cameras <laughs> great <laughs> I mean, if but it's yeah. not as bad as that, I probably would be able to. Cope no, with it's it. not. Also, okay. something nice is that you can just jack the camera sensitivity way up, and that made it also a lot better. Uh, being able to whip it around more quickly, because by default it is slow. Uh, so but... the the girl they added to it is not Morgana, then, right? No, no. It, so kind of thought it was. Yeah, last she, week. she's a robot. Um, and uh, yeah, I just saw like uh, the silhouette of her in the footage I saw, uh, and she looked like uh, I don't remember her name the the cat girl from Blaze Blue, and so in my mind I thought, oh, she must be another cat girl. Um, of course, like she does. She has like the same sort of shape to her outfit, like the big sleeves and whatever. Although, yeah. um, seeing her like out of, uh. Of silhouette, she actually kind of looks a lot like a Space Channel Five character. Um, but yeah, she's mm. AI. Also, Yusuke is really horny for her, which is a bit concerning. Um, he <laughs> asks uh, how age works in AI terms, um, <laughs> and throw Yusuke in jail. No, it's he, fine. It's a machine. It's okay. Did, did Yusuke? It's been a long time since I played Persona Five. Did Yusuke always sure. talk so weirdly? Uh, he has kind of like a flowery way of talking. Yeah, if that's what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he's because he's like cultured. He's a he's a painter. Uh, he's worldly, and I so mean, the way they express that is by having him talk like a total weirdo. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did not remember him being this annoying, but. He's very annoying. I mean, maybe it's just the writing in this game. Maybe that actor is kind of changing his delivery. I don't know. I haven't seen any of it. But, like, if you just generally ask me, did he talk weird in Persona 5? Yes, he did. Early on, Futaba tells you to go ham on the enemies. Uh, and that was pretty that good. That also just... That sounds like Futaba, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the, it's also true to the Persona experience that you are going to be playing for, like, three or four hours before you fight anything. Oh um, man, this weirdly has me more interested in it than I've been in like any Muso. Yeah, I I think you should try it because maybe I should try it. It's I'm kind of regretting not getting that Steelbook version from Best Buy. Man, I wouldn't. There was that a moment far. where I saw they they were adding that, and I was like, "Ooh, I like Steelbooks, and I like Persona. My Persona Five copy is in the Steelbook." Uh, and then I did not go for it because I also really don't like Muso games. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's yeah. like a small 
relatively small uh, component of this. <laughs> yeah, because only you, like 20% of the game is a Muso, it turns out. If that. Uh, like, get into a fight, switch to Morgana, uh, turn into the cat bus, and mow everybody down the end. Um, I mean, is the writing, like, pretty close to how it was in Persona 5? I mean, you mentioned stuff with the Futaba and everything, but, like, in general, is it, like, that level of quality? I guess so. I get, I've been enjoying okay. it. Because part of what I worry about, like, games like this, where it's based on a more established thing, but then you yeah. have one of these companies that go off and they make these sort of weird, you know, it's, I'm worried it's like a Dragon Ball Fighters thing, mm. where the, like, bits where it gets to the story are just really long and really boring, and it's not in the same writing style as, you know, where the series is from. Yeah, I so it's just not as good. I have to think that they have people who worked on Persona Five working on this, okay. at least like the writers and stuff, because it is it's authentic to the Persona Five experience, uh, for what that's worth. Which like yeah. Persona Five was, eh, it's a little hit or miss sometimes, you could say. Um, unfortunately, uh, the doctor is not in the game. Uh, also the, the airsoft guy is not in Well so there's actually kind of a good reason for that Which is the structure for this Is that you are going from town to town You're not staying in the town you start in It's a road trip in an RV And so there's really no reason For you Just to like be going to see them anyway Buying all your stuff online with like Bitcoin or yes. something <laughs> Wait what? Yes that's exactly what you're doing I got it in one Yep uh, the AI lady, uh, she sets up a shop on the dark web And there's a good bit early on Where she's like, okay, what do you want to buy? And Ryuji's just like, mm, how about a gold bar? Okay, and then like five seconds later A delivery guy brings by a box And they all freak out because there's a gold bar in it And they don't know what to do with it <laughs> So yes, it it's pretty good Alright I... Kind of coming around on this game I was pretty firm in like the Not gonna buy this, not gonna play camp But like, I don't know When this hits like a lower price I might just go in on it It also still has it's the like 20 bucks eventually It still has the Persona 5 thing Of giving you dialogue options that mean nothing And just everybody disregards whatever you said And just say the same thing anyway But I don't know I guess it's there they, to keep uh... you engaged During the hours of watching text I'm going to assume they don't do this, but do they give the main character like actual dialogue and no. a name now? Or okay, no, you still name him, but everybody calls him Joker, same as before. Because kind of going back guy, to the, as Coffee Dad says, <laughs> kind of going back to like the Arch System Works side of things. Like I know with their Persona Four fighting game, they gave the main character a name and like actual dialogue. Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't either. But then I think Arc System Works like way of telling a story is just very bad in general. So, so there, there's also I think another new character uh, because he was in the opening cutscene. Uh, seems to be like an investigator, kind of similar to Adachi, I guess. Or, I mean, uh, who was the one in five? Akechi. Akechi. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. Their yeah. names are so similar, and their like function mm -hmm. is kind of similar. Yeah. Oh. More than kind of. They're both, they're they're both bad boy investigators. It's just one of them's a little more rapey than the other one. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and one of them gets exploded, whereas the other one uh, does not. Yeah. Uh, but this guy seems to be an investigator, 
on the trail of the Phantom Thieves. Okay, what, remind me, at the end of 5, like, did everybody just know who the Phantom Thieves were? Um... I don't think so. Well, in this one, they're like, there's some weird stuff going on. We think it's the Phantom Thieves. Here's a picture of Joker. He's their leader. And so... Well, that makes sense because he... Well, it makes sense with Joker because he got arrested for, like, being a phantom yes, thief. Because th- that was the whole, like, framing device in that story was yeah. the interrogation. But, I mean... The others, I don't know. I thought with him, the thing was she let him go, and so that kind of... They wouldn't really know that he was their leader? Uh, because wasn't that thing sure. they, like, they went into her palace or whatever while she was in there with him and got him out or something? Yeah, something like that. God, it's been a while. Oh, that was like I don't quite remember how did... that stuff got resolved. Did they do some weird stuff with like faking? Like they made a clone of somebody else? <laughs> Wasn't that it? Like they made <laughs> yeah, a shadow, they cloned... of... a shadow clone for Yuji, and he came out all wrong. Yeah, it's chained in Joker's uh, attic. Uh huh. They feed him fish heads <laughs> in a bucket. <laughs> Coffee Dad goes up there once a week and leaves a few grinds. And... <laughs> Clone Ryuji's just no one... like, he's sewing pigeons to rats. <laughs> oh, I hate this. Um, yeah, I don't really remember how that stuff got resolved or what the point was in, in going into Sai's palace, because I don't know if they actually, like, necessarily change her heart or, like, what the deal with that stuff was, but... Like, I can see them knowing who Joker is, at least because he was arrested at a point in time for yes. being connected to the Phantom Thieves. The other ones, I don't think that their identity ever gets outed, but also, like, hey, Joker is traveling around in a van full of the same kids, and it's got weird parody with the number of Phantom Thief members. Yeah. That's bizarre. Anyway, probably not worth looking into. Well, I wonder if they even would have seen the other Phantom Thieves, though. Like, wasn't Joker the only one that was kind of, like, out there like on tv screens or whatever they were all fighting that thing at the end of the game and people were cheering them on true so i'm I'm not totally sure then i also don't know if people even remember that yeah because that's also like a real shin megami tensei thing that like hey everyone might experience this thing but given enough time maybe that memory just kind of leaves everybody Mm -hmm. i'm not sure sure I don't know. Well, because everyone saw um, Nyx and and the moon at the end of Persona 3, and they definitely all forgot that, because they make a point to mention that everybody forgets that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm not totally sure. It's been a while. I should probably play Persona 5 again. Yeah, I got a Royal for like 10 bucks recently, and I was thinking I should play through that again whenever I have like 80 hours to spare. <laughs> um, right. I still have to play Persona 2 at some point And I'm definitely going to play that before I get back to Persona 5 But I do want to play Persona 5 again it's a 2 I think is a game. lot shorter Of course, They it's, are but well, then two there's, there's two of them So <laughs> yeah. they end up like equaling out To a full length Persona game By the time you're done with both parts Sure but I mean like They're probably like 20 hours each I would guess I would I think they're probably maybe closer to like 30 or 40 But I'm not sure I think they're shorter than that I don't know. Mm. Hitler has sunglasses. Uh, so, <laughs> That's right. Yes, we'll Persona... get back to Hitler later in this podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, Persona 5 uh Strikers. I'm going to give it a tentative tentative thumbs up. Tentative. <laughs> yeah. That's the word. Uh-huh. Look, you don't have any room to criticize. No, I don't. So I have to capitalize on every opportunity I get. Also, I did correct myself, so eat That's it. That's true. Uh yes, I also think you should check it out. At some point, I don't really know how you would do that without buying it, but check, 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 check it out. That's what I say. I, I would, I would buy it if it hits like twenty bucks. For some reason, Musou games haven't been getting cheap recently. I don't know what the deal well, is. I guess with I'm that. never buying. <laughs> well, like it seems like only the One Piece games get cheap, but even like the last one, I think, has only gone down to like thirty by now. It's weird. weird. Yeah, it is also Persona, which is still extremely popular. So there is maybe less of an incentive for them to drop that price as quickly because they know people will buy it. I don't know. Persona games get cheap. Mm. Just told you I got Royal for like ten bucks. It didn't come right. out that long yeah. ago. <sighs> well, maybe one day, when this is a free game on PS Plus, possibly. <laughs> it, it might be. Okay, so we said that there's no news. There's a little bit kind of news. It's not like a really big thing, but Sony announced that they're going to be doing more like uh, relatively new games for free on PS Plus. Right. And boy, they're starting that with uh, almost a Persona uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which uh-huh. they just announced the Integrate uh, version, which is basically a PlayStation 5 upgrade with uh, some DLC for a Yuffie. Except and that's just... If you get this PS Plus version, you cannot upgrade it to the PS5 and, one. Nope. Might be why it's free. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, if you haven't played it by now and you don't have a PS5, no. sure, great. Yeah. Speaking of 80-hour video games. <sighs> 40 it really does not need... Yeah, it really... Jesus Christ, they did not need to make that game as long as it is. Nope. Uh, it's actually not 80 hours. To be fair, it is closer to like 30 It feels 80 hours long Because it still does not have any business being a 30 hour long game They've they've said you can carry saves over So once the PS5 version comes out It's time for me to resume my game Uh, (laughs) I have kind of also wanted to go back and replay that I really wanted to get all the trophies You know, I've had that aforementioned problem Where I have to kind of abandon that PlayStation 4 That PSN account uh, so I wanted to get back to it and play it again, especially if like when they get around to doing part two of anything with your save for the first part carries over into that. I want to be able to have a save ready. Uh, so the fact that they're doing this integrated thing is actually kind of nice for me. It gives me more of an incentive to sit down and do that. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, Yuffie's got the, the Moogle outfit, and that's neat. I like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's like the only real like news thing that I kind of remember because not much has been happening. Yeah. Oh, never mind. There, there is another thing. Uh, Pokemans. What about it? Uh, they're doing an open open world Pokemon game, and it looks like shit. Larry, it looks really bad. Yeah, it does. They're they're trying to do a Breath of the Wild thing, and much like Breath of the Wild, the art style makes me want to puke. And there's nothing in that world, and it looks like it runs at 20 frames a second. There Such need... a bummer. Like, why? 
know your limitations. Know. Like, don't don't try to do a big game like this if you can't do it. Technically, they know their limitations because they're doing like a Diamond and Pearl remake, and it basically just looks like Diamond and Pearl. Like they aren't doing it in a style contemporary with where Pokemon is at. Good, because like newer I... Pokemon games suck. Look, either way, I, I, it's not something that I would want to play because yeah, the new the new Pokemon games don't look fun to me at all. But like, when the remake is that one one with the original, I kind of don't get what the point of it is. Uh, I, I don't want to play that, especially with Diamond and Pearl, which is like the worst one. Because you can't buy DSs anymore, or DS games, and so also emulating DSs suck. To, you could just, but you could still just do it on your computer. Emulating DSs suck though. They're looking at the yeah, two screens kind of and like having to do stylish stuff with the mouse. It's a mess. Yeah, poke around on there. Yeah, I, Diamond and Pearl was like the worst one. And I kind of am bewildered by people demanding a remake to it in the first place. But I also think it's really funny that you know them harping on the Pokemon Company to do a remake. Is them wanting one that is like in the style of Sword and Shield. And they did not get that at all. I think people being nostalgic for Diamond and Pearl makes sense. It's the same reason kids think the Star Wars prequels are good. It's just what they grew up with. So they're like, yeah, they see the scene of all the younglings waving lightsabers around with helmets on. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, this is great. That's the good stuff. I love midichlorians. Yeah, everybody does. We haven't had a character as funny as Jar Jar Binks before. Jedi really cut these droids down like butter. Where's uh, the Disney Plus series about Dexter Jetster? That's who I want. Give me more Dexter yeah, Jetster. And now it's like 30 different things, and none of them were Dexter Jetster. I know. This guy's a little mustache. He's the only good yeah. character in episode two. Well, it's got to be like a prequel so we find out how he got the mustache. Well, no, there, there's Dexter Jetster and there's Elon Sleaze Bagano, both great characters from episode <laughs> two, neither of which have appeared anywhere I else. about him. As far as I know, he's selling death sticks. He's trying yeah. to make a living. Maybe they live together. Maybe that's his son. I don't think so. Oh, but that'd be imagine all the drama that you'd be able to get out of that. Dexter Jester's son is selling death sticks. I feel like Elon Sleaze Bagano would at best be the wacky neighbor that he would slide in like Kramer. <laughs> Always coming up with like crazy schemes to sell his death sticks. <laughs> Dexter Jetster says, we live in a society. So the best the best Kramer scheme is the bladder for the oil, right? And dropping it out of the building and having it like land on that dude. <laughs> I think so. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about this recently, like what the best Kramer scheme is. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's either that or like the uh where him and Newman had like the mail truck so they could sell all the cans like across state lines where they would get more money. Yes, that was also really good Yeah Although, I do Honorable mention for him purchasing Like that stretch of highway And then like widening the lanes Just because <laughs> that ends yeah, with, with a lane Newman. Wait. Yeah, with Newman catching the um, Golf oh, clubs? Something... Wasn't that the one where yeah. Elaine was going to get like John Kennedy's Golf clubs for Peterman or something? It might have been. I know that she's like swerving between the lanes and yeah. something falls out of the back of her car and it catches under the mail truck that Newman is driving 
and it bursts into flames. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was the the <laughs> Kennedy Golf is, Clubs. It, it might have been the Kennedy Golf Clubs. Yeah, uh, that was like a sewing machine, though, specifically that catches under the truck. But I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, maybe. <laughs> we've gone gone way off the point of I think both these Pokemon games look terrible. Yeah. But also, like, Pokemon is not a series that has interested me for a very long time. I think it maybe is, like, the one gaming franchise that can, it bores me the most consistently. Because yeah. I went back and replayed, like, Pokemon Blue for this fucking list, like, about a year and a half ago. And I really liked Pokemon Blue back in the day. Can't stand it now. Never sure. want to play that game again. So slow. All of them are. It really is. Like, Gold and Silver is still maybe the best one just because there's like they cram in all the gems from the previous game so the pacing on that is like much more quick uh-huh. you're going place to place a lot more fast uh, so it's maybe the strongest one I think but then yeah it like drops right back off with the next game so to take a quick aside there is another game that I played a little bit of um, not a lot so I can't really go too deep into it but Monster Sanctuary it's on Game Pass And it is a Pokemon type game But a side scroller It's like a combination Pokemon search action game uh, huh. And it's pretty neat so far And here's the number one best thing about it You can change the game speed You can set it to go like four times speed in battle And uh, don't have to worry about sitting there And watching interminable attack animations and everything I um. Oh, Jesus. When I was playing Sonic Adventure last night, uh, the Dreamcast emulator on RetroPie has the ability to uncap the frame rate. Yeah. And it's toggled to, uh, I think, select and something else. My my thumb accidentally hit the button combination while I was flying down a tunnel as Sonic and uncapping the frame rate just, like, made him fly the fuck through there. Cool. It kind of scared the shit out of me for a moment because it just happened like really, really quick. Like all the audio drops out and Sonic just flings through this tunnel <laughs> at a million miles an hour. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. That just reminded me of that with being able to like increase the game speed. That's fine. Uh, that's basically all all I have to say about Monster Sanctuary. Uh, here's a quick question because I've been watching okay. this recently. What do you think is the best season of career enthusiasm? The one with the producers. Okay. I've been Why? rewatching season seven, the Seinfeld one. I think that might be season. the best one. That probably would be my second favorite. It's uh, it's pretty much the producers, the Seinfeld season, and the one where Larry fucks off to New York to get out of obligations. Yeah, so the producers one would have been my pick for second favorite, but I was actually thinking recently I might just rewatch all of it. I think the Seinfeld one was actually the last one I watched. Maybe the one after that. I'm not sure. The one after that was the New York one. Because I remember there being a pretty large gap between that season and this yeah. last one. I don't know that I ever actually watched that one. I think maybe saw an episode or two from it, but I don't think I saw the whole thing. It's um, really good. Yeah. but The whole point of that season is just Larry wants people to stop asking him for things. <laughs> so every time someone asks him to do something, he comes up with a different excuse to get out of it. Yeah, And it just, it constantly is escalating because as he lies about one thing, he has to avoid getting caught in the lie. Mm. Plus it just has uh, Michael J. Fox antagonizing him. Okay, I saw that. 
I think maybe I, I think I just saw a couple of episodes from it probably. But um season 7 though That's... like despite like aside from the Seinfeld thing it has so many classic episodes like it has the the Bear Midriff one, the Black Swan. Yeah. I forgot that was the one with uh Loretta's cancer where he was like oh, desperately right. trying to get away from her and the whole bit where he goes into uh the cancer doctor's office and he's like, "Oh, look at these artifacts. Where are those from? Africa." Africa, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, part of why I like that New York season, though, is the ending of that could have been like the perfect ending to Curb Your Enthusiasm, just in general, uh, which is where that like Larry gets caught in all these lies of trying to get out of stuff, and so he has to come up with an even greater lie, uh, and it's that he has to relocate to France. So he just goes to a completely different country to get away from all this bullshit. And of course, like Leon tags along with him. Yeah. And so like, I think the last shot of that season is just this long pan out of them in the streets in France, like arguing about baguettes or something. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely did (laughs) not see that. Uh, It's a great, it's a great shot. And it's like, just again, that whole season about escalating lies. uh It is the perfect way to just end Curb Your Enthusiasm is Larry getting so deep into his bullshit that he just has to leave the country. I think every interaction with Leon, though, is gold. We're interlocked, Larry. We're like Legos. (laughs) I really like that. He stuck around after that season as just this persistent part of Larry's life. Like the... (laughs) The bit with the pickle jar, <laughs> where yeah. he has to cause the distraction inside the uh, motel lobby, mm-hmm. or hotel lobby, rather. <laughs> oh, What's the name like... of the, that he used? It was Chappie. Oh, it's like Chappie Johnson. He just goes in the middle there, just like, <laughs> my name is Chappie Johnson. I can't get this damn pickle jar open. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just the whole thing of like him, like completely alienating Loretta and her taking the kids and Larry just assuming <laughs> Leon would be going with her. He's like, nah, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm, I'm heading back inside. See you later. Yeah. Anyway, this has been the part of the podcast where we reminisce about Curb Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm, a great show. It is. Well, I also was thinking, the reason I watched this, uh, started rewatching this season in particular was because of the news of the Frage revival. Um, mm. And I just kept thinking about Jerry saying like uh, But you always say they're so sad and desperate Every time you see a, uh, like a reunion show And boy, that phrase show is going to be sad and desperate Yeah, there's a When I start up my TV Because now I'm, I got that fancy Roku operating system Oh yeah it keeps suggesting to me the Fresh Prince uh, reunion, and I've already seen bits of that with like Will Smith reconciling with uh, the first Aunt Viv, and it's depressing as hell. Mm-hmm. And why the fuck would I want to watch that? Yeah, I haven't watched it. I like, don't care. I, I don't come to Fresh Prince for like <laughs> Will Smith needing to reconcile with this woman that he practically pushed out of the industry. Like, mm-hmm. that's really bleak and upsetting. I'm glad that she's getting resolution and everything, but also I want to sit down and watch that. Come on. Also, Uncle Phil's dead. Yes. There's just this, like, very noticeable absence in that cast without Uncle Phil. Yeah. Shredder himself. It's comfortable. Yeah. I don't know. That, that whole thing. Just make Carlton dance. That's all I want. Yeah. 
just make Carlton dance. Well, anyway. Uh, anyway, we watched uh, yeah, a movie. Ivan, I yeah, I watched a movie. We both watched called, a movie called uh, Lu- Lupin the First. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the last Lupin project uh, that was being worked on before Monkey Punch died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot Monkey Punch died, and then when it got to the credits and there was a quote by Monkey Punch, I was like, oh no, Well, Monkey Punch died. The thing is, when Monkey Punch died, I think we both had the same reaction of, he was still alive? Kind of, yeah. I uh, sure didn't think he was. He was 80 years old, he died of cancer. Uh, but like one of the last things that he really wanted for his, his beloved character was to bring Lupin uh, to the big screen in CG. He apparently was like way into the idea of using CG to tell a story. And he felt that like it finally got good enough at that point in time that they could realistically do something with Lupin. And boy, they made a good fucking movie. Yeah, looks great. And it, it looks incredible. Uh, it, it sticks to that like kind of style of the uh, red jacket Lupin. Well, series like pretty closely. I, I would say this like you can tell the influence is mostly Castle of Cagliostro. Like it's yeah. more in that vein than anything else, specifically the characterization of Lupin. He's much less sure. of a scumbag yeah. in this than he kind of usually is. Yeah. Uh here okay. My number one issue with this. Mm-hmm. Lupin's jacket. Did you ever think that was a leather jacket? Nope. That was Me fabric. Either. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why they made it leather in this. That looks weird. Uh, it probably looks better in CGI than just going with a fabric jacket for Disagree. Him, Makes them stand out more. Also, a whole lot of Jigen's eyes. Don't need to see that many Jigen eyes. That, G- that like, bugs me way more than the jacket. Yeah. You see it like every once in a while, maybe like under a shadow or something. Yeah. You don't need it's like a gag that much. One of his eyes gets all big. Yeah. Um,. Also, yeah, but like Goemon's voice actor real bad in this, and I don't know why, because it's the same voice actor they've had for a, like a while now. But Goemon it, didn't bug me. Zenigata's did. Zenigata's sounds way different, but I thought he was still fine. There were a few scenes where Zenigata would say something, and I would not immediately pick up on it as being Zenigata. Mm. Like scenes where like Zenigata is not in frame, moving his lips. Like his back is turned or he's saying something off screen and it did not sound like Zenigata. I would say um, he, he's like recognizable as Zenigata. He just doesn't sound like the previous voice actor. Well, but, I think... Again, part like, of this the... is the same one who's been doing it for like the newer Blue Jacket seasons anyway. Yeah. I, I think maybe part of the problem with that though too is Zenigata, his, like, his CG render makes him weirdly more handsome than Zenigata should be. <laughs> okay. And so th- there are moments where like... Very boxy-faced, chiseled Zenigata does not, like, hit me as Zenigata. Okay. So, I don't know. Some, something's, something's up with that. Uh, but Zenigata looking fine in this movie. Like, I, I would say... Want him to arrest me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> My biggest issue with the movie, and this isn't like, really anybody's fault, there's no way around it, is that mm-hmm. with it being in CGI and having full lip-syncing, the dub is much more obvious. Then when it's just like yeah. mouths flapping in 2D, obviously. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like um, when you see a dub of a live action thing. Yeah. Like a Kaijumoto. But, but even that... then... Kaijumoto? What was the name of it? What are you talking about? 
the the thing where like uh, the guy gets the injection and he turns into like a, a gigantic hunk and he has to battle oh, yeah, with like, yeah. kaiju. Yeah, kaiju mono, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, because there's I, a, the the dub for that is what that defaults on, and it's a similar thing of just well, the lip syncing does not match at all because these are real people moving their mouths to Japanese words. I think. Oh yeah, I think it's funny that's like your reference for this and not well, just like any other movie that's ever been dubbed but to be, I, to be I fair say... that is like the most recent foreign movie i have watched a dub for that was live action like sure. i have a lot of, of foreign movies odd movies some people would call them uh but i they're all like just sub only because they're from the criterion collection uh-huh. so of course um like that uh, that godzilla collection they put out i think has the dubs in it too well, that um, that should, but I think that's yeah. kind of a different thing. Where like it is also kind of known for its dubs over here. But but what I was gonna say is I think this is worse than live action because it's like obviously exaggerated in animation. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's like even more noticeable. Yeah, there's a but few whatever. bits where they they say a sentence and they have to really like rattle through it mm-hmm. for like or drag for a word lip out timing. Yeah, drag a word out, or or they might add some words that seem kind of superfluous to what they're saying. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's it's definitely the fact that it's a dub is is very noticeable in the animation in this. Whereas, yeah, I, I agree with like a you know more traditional anime or something like that that has a flatter look that's not CGI. It would not be as noticeable. Of course, the rebuttal here could be watch the subtitled version but excuse me uh sunny straight is my lupon thanks richard epcar is my jegan hell yeah uh lupon's got like a really good dub cast yeah it does a lot of them michelle ruff david hater yeah david hater played lupon in castle cagliostro yeah you know what he's great he was he's good in that movie would never guess that was him actually from listening to it well, he mostly just does the snake voice for everything nowadays, because I yeah, think yeah. like he's kind of been pigeonholed into that. But yeah, because he played a uh, Bernie Sanders, of course, in uh, War in the Pocket. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Bernie Sanders piloting a Zaku because it's the you know working man's mech. Mm-hmm. Um. So what? What about? But the yeah, movie? like. I, it's a really good movie. So, like, this does take place, though, in, in the Red Jacket era, exemplified not just by the fact that he is, of course, in the Red Jacket, but this mm-hmm. opens on the same sort of, like, title treatment that they would do for each episode, where it's, like, the typewriter going by, spelling the name of the episode out. And it up front indicates that it takes place in the 1960s. Yep, because it starts uh, during World War II uh, and then, like, goes forward to about 20 years later. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, that Hitler may or may not be alive and still looking extremely Hitler-esque. Yes, although older, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. And of course, here um, we get into the same thing that caused confusion in our JoJo podcast, which is that apparently they can't show swastikas. Uh, so... Yeah. They're like, they, they're identified as Nazis, but no swastikas in sight. Which caused I... issues when talking about uh, Stroheim back then, but... Yeah. yeah, like he's doing everything from the salute to, uh, you know, referencing Nazis, but can't show swaps, swastika. Um, because, yeah, well, that, in this movie, one, they, they had like extra, a research institute. Yeah, that was an extra odd case back then, though, because remember, my version yeah. did not say Nazi. It just like said German. And also that was oh, taking right, place right. in the 20s. And so I was like, 
Is, is yeah. he supposed to actually be a Nazi here? But yeah. Yeah, but like I think they even bring up Hitler. I think maybe they near that they just refer to him as like, oh, the leader. Maybe, but in but... in the one I had, I'm pretty sure they just said like Adolf Hitler. I also think that was maybe um, like later it became more explicit about that. But yeah, maybe. Look, I can't pretend to know exactly what their the issue there is because I know that Japan has some weird stuff too about you know dismemberment and stuff like that. If that makes more sense, I I get how that is a lot more rooted in their culture. Uh, of course, allying with the Nazis is a thing too. Yeah, but. I, I don't know specifically like how that has kind of manifested culturally over time. Yeah, I'm not uh, in sure. The same either. way as like the dismemberment. So. I, I think that's more of a recent thing, uh, like yeah. not showing swastikas and stuff. Well, like they had swastikas and Nazis and stuff in old Lupin shows. So yeah, like, yeah, uh, Nazis are a recurring element yeah. of Lupin the Third. They are frequently used as bad guys. Yeah. Uh, Lupin thankfully never willingly allies himself with a Nazi. No, um, he occasionally will disguise himself as one and give a salute. <laughs> sure. I think we just get into uh, spoilers at this point, right? Well, I'm talking about in the old show. There's a bit where sure, he like, disguises but, but himself this... and Hitler shows up and he like salutes him. But this also segues into yeah. parts of this movie. So if you want to watch Loop on the First, uh, skip ahead. Because uh, we're going to talk about spoilers for the movie. Uh, Although, so I would say there's maybe order... not a whole lot to be spoiled. Sure. It's not it's not telling a very intricate story. No. There's nothing here that greatly impacts the lore of Lupin the Third. No, I, uh, even I would though say it is th- this ostensibly felt, about Lupin's granddad. This felt to me like sort of one of the higher tier of those TV special movies. Like this would be yeah. sort of like one of the best ones of those, except with extremely expensive looking CGI. <laughs> sure. And that black hole effect was rad. Yeah, the whole intro sequence to this with the Lupin theme is incredibly good looking. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of the era that they are trying to go after, I also like that they like replicate the bit of Fujiko kind of like materializing on the screen over and over again. Yeah, it is lacking Fujiko's amazing dance moves, which is an issue. <laughs> yeah. Problem I have with this movie, but it has her <laughs> shooting the gun. So there's that. Look, Fujiko's tits have never looked better. <laughs> sure, get your priorities online. <laughs> they looked so good that they really only had her showing them for like a couple of scenes, and then they were like, "Look, the audience is going to be way too horny. They're going to lose track of the plot. We need to, we need to get her in something else." Yeah. <laughs> Dress her up like Amelia Earhart. Yeah, I'm into Amelia Earhart, Fujiko. It's a good look. Like how she is basically just there to be a pilot through the whole movie. Everyone has their 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 function in this, uh, to the point that it's a little bit weird because when Zinigata joins the team, it feels very arbitrary. Yeah, just like hey, you know, we we team up in all these movies, so this is the part of the movie where we have to team up. But it makes up for it by having the part where they're getting away on the plane, and like he has his cronies like run up and like boost him up to launch him at the plane. Yeah, that is pretty good. I always like uh, his I like mob of dudes that he just uses like Pikmin. Yes. Oh man, a Zenigata Pikmin game would be so good. <laughs> just each mission is you have to try to catch Lupin and you need to use your Interpol agents to solve puzzles. Yeah. That'd be great. That and like uh, swinging your uh, your rope attached to handcuffs. Yeah. 
I do like that whole sequence where they're taking out the Nazi base and it just kind of shows everyone doing their thing to take out Nazis. Yeah. Also how uh, like uh Zinagata is arresting them and um Goemon is like kind of disabling them. Meanwhile, Jigen just shoots everybody. Yeah. Jigen's just murdering everyone. He doesn't care. They're Nazis, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Big whoop. Uh that that does get into a really good sequence though where uh so the plot of this movie is that uh oh god what's her name Letitia main Letitia yeah her her actual grandfather is this uh archaeologist uh who discovered this basically like a black hole creating device made by some ancient culture and he was working with Lupin's grandfather and the two of them basically like seal this thing off they take all the research notes in a diary and they put it in this kind of mechanical case that will destroy it if it's tampered with or opened incorrectly and so Lupin and Letitia are trying to kind of unravel this mystery that their grandfathers had set for them. Uh, but at the same time, the Nazis obviously want this device to, like, reignite the Third Reich. And the main villain of the movie is under the uh, misbelief that Adolf Hitler is still alive. Uh, he is has a almost romantic infatuation with this picture of Hitler in a wheelchair, <laughs> which yeah. is really good for the ending sequence of the movie where him and Lupin fight. And shit keeps happening to the picture, and he keeps freaking out about it. Uh-huh. It's just... It has all the, like, cadence of the bit in America 3000, where the guy's hat gets knocked off, and he yells, My hat! My hat! <laughs> this guy going, my Hitler picture! I don't know that that guy in the movie actually said, my hat. I think that was just us that kept saying, my hat, every time his hat got <laughs> no, knocked he, off. No, he did, because we kept saying it, and then when he, when he actually said it, oh, we flipped out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, watch America 3000 again. Yeah. Well, that's a movie. Do that before I replay Persona 5. Uh-huh. Um But yeah, it's it's just it is a fun adventure movie. They're they're solving this mystery, uh very Indiana Jones-esque. Uh-huh. Um in in the way it kind of progresses through everything, you know, of course getting into like this temple that has a bunch of ancient traps and everything in it. Uh it's really good, but uh it does get to this part where it seems like the Nazis are going to win, except Lupin sets up this trap and disguises himself as Hitler. Uh, which I I assumed it was Hitler, or not Hitler, but Lupin as Hitler right away. Yeah. And it just kept making me think of, like, in order to beat the Nazis, Lupin has to become Hitler. <laughs> Hack must become Hitler. Uh, yeah, that that was also People funny don't know what we're, we're referencing So it, we should probably matter. point this out It does not matter <laughs> Okay. The best part is um, when he has like one of the guards like Take Letitia away They didn't even try to hide that it was Jigen like, You can just straight up see it's him Yeah, it's just Jigen in a, Like in the same suit even He just doesn't have his hat on Because uh, that's the distinguishing characteristic About Jigen is the hat If you took it off of him, you wouldn't be like Who the hell's that? I think he I think he did have like a sort of a Nazi uniform and hat on at the yeah, time, but uh, still, like he had the beard, so you could tell. Yeah, I'm surprised that the uh, clip of Lupin very smugly saying Nazis lose is yeah. not on the internet. Yeah, you'd think that, that would have become like memeified. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> a lot of really obnoxious liberals on Twitter. <laughs> Would be using that constantly. See that that lady in her car screaming about fascists. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yes, there there are a lot of really good sequences in the movie. Specifically, 
uh, I really like the bit on the plane where Fujiko gets out and she like goes over to the plane and the guys like come up to her and she just like pulls out a giant like MG forty five or something like huge like plane mounted machine gun she's somehow just carrying and pops off at him. That was really good. Yeah. Um, they keep ricocheting towards Lupin and he has to like flail around and not yeah. get hit by it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the bit there's where... a lot of like real classic Lupin just gags in this movie that yeah. are sold like the thing that you wouldn't want to happen is transitioning over to a different art style in this case CG and kind of losing some of that personality that Lupin has and it's like sight gags and the way that the characters move but like I feel they did a incredibly good job conveying that in this new style right like, I, this I was... where Lupin's jumping between buildings and it does like the sound effect Mm -hmm. little high pitch sound when he springs off like perfect specifically i was thinking like yeah normally when you transition a cgi like this everything ends up looking pretty stiff and you don't really get that sort of same look that you would but they did a really good job of his movement in particular like i was thinking of the bit um where they go through the vault and the lasers and he's like dodging all the lasers through it that part's great yeah it is uh i am glad that they figured out how to do this unlike a certain studio run by a very well-known director of animes uh, putting out something that looks incredibly stiff and completely uninteresting looks like a cut scene from uh, a level five game or something oh boy yeah i'm talking about studio ghibli by the way in case nobody's yeah, that, figured it out Hedwig, yeah. whatever angry inch which movie what? Never... Like what? Yeah. it's it's something very similar to hedwig and the angry inch which is very strange to me i don't know why they went yes. with that name yeah um, that movie does not look it does not look good i actually like was kind of worried when i heard that they were doing a cg loop on movie yeah and then actually like getting to see some of some of it in motion before it came out like started to sell me on it right when and, that trailer uh, came out big... i was like oh this actually yeah. looks pretty good the big thing that sold me over was the they put like the whole like intro like credit sequence up and I thought like oh this looks incredible I really want to see this. Yeah. And like the whole movie maintains that quality. It mm-hmm. is great. I would gladly watch another Lupin movie done in this style. The weirdest thing is that this is from the writer and director of that new Dragon Quest movie, which apparently was terrible. Um, so, uh, but it like came out basically like right before this one, so he must have been doing them at the same time. Maybe this is where all of his effort went. Yeah, know. we know which one got his attention, I guess. Or I guess like uh, writing this compared to the amount of time it takes to animate it, that like different studios, maybe who knows. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I'm not sure what else there really is to say about Loop on the First, other than people should go watch it. They do. This is, in a way, it's kind of a greatest hits of Lupin. I would say it's actually a pretty good uh, introduction to it, if you haven't seen any of them yeah. before, like along with Castle of Cagliostro. It yeah. has it, they... all the stuff you're looking for. Uh, Jigen brings out the 50 cal. Uh, Goemon cuts a car in half. All the stuff you're looking for. Yeah, cuts a damn wing off a plane. Yeah, just like in the intro to part two. Well, I mean, uh, speaking of that, they do the whole bit where they're like in the desert in their the little yellow car getting yep. chased by something, which is from the intro of season two. Yeah, and uh, that was also something where at the beginning there's that little bit of a car chase. I thought, oh no, the car isn't acting like a cartoon car. I'm not sure about this. But then later, Lupin's in the little yellow car and it acts like a cartoon car. 
Yeah. As it should. Cartoony as fuck that car, which yeah. is perfect because that's exactly how it should be. Yep. Yeah. They just, they can, the energy of Lupin the, the Third is seamlessly conveyed in this thing, despite the like radical change in art style that they're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I liked it a whole lot. Uh, I think that people, if they like Lupin the Third or they even have like a passing interest in it, don't know what it is exactly, want to give it a shot, should pick up the movie. It's really good. Agree. Ratings. Ratings. Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. I really liked it. Whoa. Yeah. I'd give it an 8. I liked it a lot. But come on. I'm it, going to tell it's Monkey no Punch on you. I'm going to kill myself and go to hell and tell <laughs> Monkey Punch what you thought of his movie. You think he's in hell? <laughs> yeah, sure. He's a pervert. Yeah, those early comics were really rapey. So, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean it. Monkey Punch is probably a very nice, was a very nice old man, and he's probably in heaven drawing uh, Fujiko's breasts or something. I don't know. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) His favorite pastime. Jesus over his shoulder just watching him draw tits. Not like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next up, Red Corner. What? No, 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 real quick, I, I want to mention Since we had brought up, like, awkward dubs And I had just mentioned Jesus oh, no. um, Retro Crush, which is a service I have brought up on this podcast before uh, They have put up all of the dub of Ghost Stories Great Which, in, in case people don't know Is this kind of infamous of its era dub Where they took this completely uninteresting show And just put in a lot of, like early aughts edgy jokes in it mm. like turn one of the characters into a jesus freak a uh, lot lot of saying uh the r word yeah it is a a perfect encapsulation of like i think early aughts kind of internet humor slash you know weird dubs like that because uh, there were other things that were kind because of similar to ghost stories. At wasn't that time. there the situation like uh, Samurai Pizza Cats where they just didn't even have the script, and so they were just like, eh, "We'll make up whatever." I think so. Yeah, I, I think there was just a lot of winging it and just kind of going whatever, uh, almost a Chin Chan or a uh, Milk Chan kind of thing, where it's just like, well. Maybe we can't really do this as like a, a straight translation, or we just don't have the uh, means to do that. So we're just kind of going to do our own thing with this. I would also say though that Milk Chan and Shin Chan are far less cringy than Ghost yes. Stories, uh, because yeah. when you alerted me to this fact, I thought, hmm, I should watch some clips of that and see if it's as bad as I remember. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's as bad as you remember. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Anyway, I've committed to myself to watch the whole thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. Come on. Because I'd, I'd only ever seen the first episode in like a couple clips online and then yeah. like stills with some of like the, the dub, but it's subtitled out. And it's always just kind of occupied this weird nostalgic part of my mind where I, I, I know it's not good. But I was there for it when it came out. And I kind of want to experience it more fully. So I've been sitting down. I'm only like four episodes into that thing. Uh, Quality does not improve in the short term. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Not that I expect it to be. Um, I was a bit surprised how much they actually do try to like push a narrative in that show, though. There are a surprising amount of bits where they're just trying to move the plot forward. 
and not sort of rely on what that dub is infamous for. Uh, but still, the dub is infamous for a reason. It's, oh, yeah. It is an integral part of ghost stories in American culture, I guess. But yeah, uh, hey, that's all on Retro Crush if you want to kind of check out everything that was wrong with the early 2000s. Which is free, by the way. It is, yeah. Uh, free with ads, but if you use something like Ublock Origin, then you don't got to put up with that shit. Yeah. It works on that site. Uh, there's a lot of other good stuff on there, though. If you're interested in anime rape, might I suggest 80 Detectives, uh, which is a spinoff <laughs> of Bubblegum Crisis. <laughs> Always a good way to introduce anything. <laughs> What's wrong with you today? <laughs> These bizarre sides about Fujiko and now this? This is what happens when you have caffeine after a long time of not drinking any. Go off Apparently I'm off the rails. Yeah, back on the Dr. Pepper train. Look, it's uh it's Retro Crush. They have a lot of old animes. The old animes kind of had some problems. Well, sure. Yeah. Watch at your own peril is what I'm saying. Some good stuff on there though There's uh, Astro Boy and I'm pretty sure Astro Boy doesn't You know uh, Astro Boy is clean I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure about that Retro Corner Retro Corner what <laughs> we got uh, I Was able to finish Shadow of the Colossus and Hooray! I, Ico? Ico? Ico I think it's pronounced Ico but I always said Ico back in the day Why? Because it was at that point in time where you didn't like have easy access to games media where you heard people say the names of video games. Yeah. You just read them in magazines. So like I didn't know any better. I just thought it was Ico. Uh, and then years later, hearing people talk about the game, they all refer to it as Ico. I think um, they always said so... Ico because um, Jack and Daxter also had Ico as uh, the collectible thing oh. in it. Yeah, see, I never played da Jack and Daxter. So what? I don't know. Yeah, never played them, any of them. Add those to the list. Oh no, I did take one game one. off the. Since I so I get into this little aside before I get fully into these games, I'm not happy with the fact that I've had to take a lot of stuff and replace them like off the list and replace them with other things recently. Some of that stuff has just been like I knew I wanted to play certain games, and then when hopping into them, the emulation on them has been completely fucked. Like that definitely was the case with uh, the second runner. But, like, Front Mission Gun Hazard being, like, a side-scroller game, I thought that would just be, like, a three- to four-hour thing, right? <laughs> okay. It's like a 33-hour-long game. Yeah. That's too much Gun Hazard. That's too much Front Mission. That's the reason I didn't bother to play Front Mission 4 was there was just too much of it. So I've removed that, and you'll be very happy to hear that I've replaced it with Demon's Crust. Oh, nice. Finally. So we've... We will get to that at some point. I know you've you've been telling me to play that game for a long time. Good game. And I just never had a spot on the list, but but now I do. Uh also played a Burning Force recently because I decided to take uh Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne off because I'm just gonna play the HD uh version of it when yeah. it comes out. And I've and a thing I've been pretty firm on is like HD versions, re-releases of games, stuff like that don't quite count for what the purpose of the list is. Nah. Which is why. Shadow of the Colossus, I did not play the Blue Point version of it. Um, although I would like to get that game and replay it at some point because that Blue Point version looks real purdy. 
It is. Well, like, that's the thing is it's just that game again. Like they are so faithful to it that it, it's essentially just an up res. Like they didn't yeah. it's not nearly as drastic visually um as like the Demon Souls remake is. So Yeah, that's that's true. Um but I still wanted to, you know, again this list is trying to play it as close to what it was when it released. And so I, I kind of yeah, but that you also causes problems that. when the emulation isn't great Because you were <laughs> yes, telling me that Shadow of the Colossus had like massive problems with Bloom Did you ever go like, look at gameplay so... and see if it was different? It's a little bit of a pain in the ass going back for gameplay Because at, at a couple points I looked up like just walkthrough stuff Because I got a little lost in the world uh-huh. And just wanted to get pointed in the right direction And like most of the footage that's available now is just the Bloom Point version Because I think oh. everyone has just agreed that that is the version of the game that oh, should yeah. exist in perpetuity. That the original does not maybe matter as much anymore because this blue point one exists. Um which I think is probably fair. Uh, as much as I think Shadow of the Colossus is actually a very good looking game for the PlayStation 2, it still is a PlayStation 2 game, which means it looks muddy as hell. I mean it ran like crap in the day too. Like it was yeah. so bad. Like and it came out after the PlayStation 3 was out, and so that was like one of those cases where it's like, man, you should have just delayed this and put it on the new console because this yep. is rough. I still loved yeah. it, still played it a lot, but what could have been. Yeah. But uh so I guess we should just get into Shadow of the Colossus specifically. Um Well no, start with I... Eco, because that came out okay, first. Okay, we'll start with Eco. Okay. Well, we were already talking about shadows, so yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, yeah, so e- yeah, well, <laughs> Jay Leno talks about <laughs> eco and shadow of the class. <laughs> well, you know, you get this thing. It's called Yorda. Yeah. You see this? You hear about this? He's colossal. Got this little kitty. He's got he's got horns. <laughs> I still can't believe I thought it was a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was wearing a cute little hat. You know, because he's a kid. Sure. Um, yeah, so Eco is definitely one of those games that I always just saw in magazines, and I was really interested in it because the concept of it sounded incredibly unique to me. Um, which, like, as I understand it now, it is just a very protracted escort mission. Yep. And plays a lot like an escort mission. It's it's yep. not that good, in fact. Has some issues with Eco, but I think conceptually it sounds interesting uh, how... Oh, it's uh the guy's name is Ueda who created these, right? Umito Ueda, yes. Okay, thank you. I had a moment where I I remember the name and then I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yep, that's right. Uh, Ueda's whole thing is is he wanted to I think he saw like a commercial about a like a boy and a girl who couldn't quite communicate but needed to do something together and that inspired like this whole game that he wanted to do on the PlayStation 1. And it just didn't quite work out on PlayStation 1 because obviously there were issues with, you know, trying to overcome problems with that hardware and limitations and it didn't quite work out. But they like plugged away at it for a while before shifting focus over to the PlayStation 2. And this will be a recurring theme for their games ever since. Where mm-hmm. they should probably just release it on the next thing because the current thing doesn't quite work out for them. Uh but part of his inspiration for it too was stuff like uh, Prince of Persia, uh, mm-hmm. which is definitely felt in the way that all the animation is keyframed rather than mo-capped. Uh, when you have Eco kind of slide around and shift his weight, and mentioned this on one of our streams, but it it has a big Prince of Persia kind of feeling to it. Yeah. 
Uh, but also just like, you know, the weightiness of the jumps and, and some of the ways that you approach solving puzzles in that game is very Prince of Persia-esque. Uh, another game that inspired this was Out of This World, which I think is very on the nose, that inspiration. Yeah. Like specifically in that Out of This World is also a game where you have two characters who are like from different species and they can't communicate, but they need to work together. Yeah. It's also a highly influenced by Blackthorn. Uh, because Eco, you have a button to make Eco shoot the shotgun backwards. <laughs> That's right. I came over pretty early when I blew Yorda's head off. <laughs> you really should have <laughs> seen that coming. I did. <laughs> Let me just say, blowing that guy's head off, just smoking him in Blackthorn, is on the same level as finding out I could chop the kids up at the end of Harvester. <laughs> I was just this went. Fucking horribly sideways in a way that I was not expecting. Yeah, well, you know, it's a happy accident. Games should do that more often. I love that shit where I just I hit a button that I think is totally innocuous and then I completely obliterate somebody. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, kind of the point of the game is that uh, Yorda is some weird uh, kind of magical girl trapped in this tower, and you have also been stowed away here because you're a kid with horns, and people with horns are viewed as this curse. Uh, and so they are done away with. And you happen to get out, and you free Yorda, but you can't communicate with Yorda. And so the two of you try to bust out of this place, uh, and the entire time you're being hunted by Yorda's mom and her weird shadow minions who fucking suck to fight. Yep, just because swing your stick at him for a while. Oh, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Cause they just keep coming. And they don't stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fell to the ground, just... hit the ground running, was it? Yeah. yeah. So there there are multiple points in this game where like a portal will open up in the ground and the shadow people try to grab Yorda and pull her into it. And if she gets pulled in, it's game over. And you end up getting reset by by quite a bit. Uh, the Ashley Graham save... of her time. <laughs> they pick her up you wow. shoot him in the knees um they're they're generous about save points which i really like that the save point is just like a magic sofa yeah it's just very cute. weird yeah it's completely like discordant with that universe but i like it or or setting rather they're generous with them, but because the game just kind of has such a slow pace it feels like every time you game over you're really losing more time than you actually are and so like when you get into these sort of fight sequences they will if they grab her they will pull her quite a distance away and you really have to scramble to get over there yeah but also just in the sense of stuff taking forever if you get knocked down to the ground which happens often eco takes a lifetime to get back up to his feet mm-hmm. yeah like comparing it to resident evil 4 like those guys if they pick up ashley they move pretty slowly for the most part yeah uh but you know the shadow guys they book it also, Leon's got a gun. That too. Eco should have a gun. If he had a gun, <laughs> this would have all gone way differently. Yeah. We just shot her mom the first time she showed up. Mm-hmm. Spouting that nonsense about needing to possess her daughter's body. Uh, but, but yeah, like that, that stuff is probably the game at its roughest. Uh, because when you get into a combat encounter, they also just last a while. They kind of just keep funneling dudes in. You get a sword eventually, and it makes shorter work in them, but it still takes too damn long. Uh, the puzzles in the game also aren't anything that are that's going to actually like mentally tax you. 
they are all incredibly simple. It's crate pushing uh, mostly. Mostly crate pushing. There's a couple where you're in these like uh, rooms that funnel light through, and yeah. those are the worst ones. Jump on the chains those... or whatever, and yeah, it's just too many steps to get into the conclusion of the puzzle. Um, Eco mostly just feels like I'm having my time wasted. Yeah, basically. So my experience with Eco was that I played the demo of it a lot. It was on some, I think it was a PlayStation Magazine demo disc or something. And I had a lot of fun with that demo, which is before you kind of get into all that stuff. It's basically just the opening of the game. So it's just like, oh, look at this water and this windmill, and it looks really cool. Not sure why it is both blurry and jaggy at the same time. That hurts my eyes to look at, but I'm going to enjoy the rest of this. Yep. But, you know, that was before I knew what resolution was or any of that (laughs) stuff. So it was just like, I have no idea why this looks so bizarre. Um, yeah, I I had a moment where I was thinking that while playing the game, uh, and then you had mentioned offhand that the game ran at 240p, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, what it looks the way it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that like it's specifically that combined with all of the bloom effects and stuff that just made it look terrible. Yeah. Uh, but then I think when the game came out, I rented it. I never bought it. I bought it later. I kind of just have it in my collection But I rented it and did not finish it I don't think I've ever finished it When the HD port came out I just played Shadow of the Colossus and mostly ignored Ego I think I started it up <laughs> to kind of be like Hey this looks a lot better at least Still no interest in playing it The ending sequence of that game is actually kind of neat But like it's too much bullshit To get there Yeah. You you basically So I don't know how much of the the ending of Ego you've even seen Have you like gone back and kind of watched it No or... I don't care. So you you eventually open up the gate and you start going across the bridge, but you find out that Yorda can't actually leave. She's like tethered there. And the bridge starts collapsing and, and Yorda's mom kidnaps her oh, and no. you fall the horse all falls. the way off. Oh. Well, yeah. Uh but you manage to land on these like cages that hang on the un- like the underside of this island. And you work your way back in and you end up finding this uh sword that channels light that might be from another video game (laughs) okay so with this light sword you end up going to the queen's chamber you find out that she has petrified yorda and then you you fight the queen and you kill her but you get your horns broken off in the process and yorda sort of dies she has turned into a shadow creature Mm -hmm. Uh, but yorda puts you on a boat and pushes you out into the ocean so you can get to safety and the weird part at the end of the game is after all the credits, you wake up on the shore and you run around and the camera kind of pulls out until you get like real tiny and you can keep like shouting. And then like at the far end of the beach, Yorda's body is unconscious, like on, on the beach. Okay. And so I'm not sure what happens there because the game makes it pretty clear that Yorda can't leave and that she's not herself anymore at the end of it. I, so I don't know I'm what that's aware, about. I'm aware there's like a secret ending where you both like eat watermelons or something on the beach. Oh, that's cute. That's just like Kingdom Hearts. But isn't it, isn't this a case where it's kind of like near where you can like replay it and it has subtitles? Like it tells yes. you what the subtitles are? Yeah. So you can go back and all of Yorda's dialogue will be understandable to you because they subtitle it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But that requires Better playing near. Eco again, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to play Eco for the rest of my life. Once mm. was enough. 
But then you yeah, went like, on um, to Shadow of the Colossus. Which is just a really cool... So Shadow of the Colossus, I feel, does like what Monster Hunter set out to do, but like way better. It's like the only real criticism I have is I wish I could make like a sick bone sword out of the bull colossus. That would be they cool. Don't, they don't let you do that. Yeah. But also when you played great. it, um, much like I think everybody the first time they play it, you didn't know about the lizards. No, or the I fruit. did not know about the lizards. Yeah. Which isn't There's really essential because little... the game's not hard to begin with. Like if you die, no. you're you're doing real bad. Uh, I died a couple times to. Uh, it was the one that like you have to situate it over like a geyser. Oh, the turtle one. He just yeah, because he can really just beam you and do like a lot of damage. Uh, so he killed me a couple of times, huh. and that is maybe I think my least favorite Colossus because also trying to coax him over those geysers is a pain in the ass. My least favorite's the bird one over the lake, because you like. Gotta try to uh, get him to fly at you and then jump over it, and then if you miss it, you gotta wait for him to fly around again. And I didn't have that much trouble with him. I I got on the first time, but the oh, flying I... snake one is a pain because you have to do it three times. Like if yeah. you you attack his first weak point, he will then dive into the ground and knock you off. Like there's no way around it. Yeah, the the um the water snake one also will just go so deep that you have to let go and. Oh yeah. Try that again. The yeah. uh, um also I lied, my least favorite is the horse one because even though you had no issues with this, yeah. like, I can never get him to like look down in the tunnel and get around on him. Like he'll just like spin forever wandering around outside. Yeah. The the Taurus Colossus was basically my version of that. Yeah. Where I just I could not get the AI to cooperate with me at all. And then the fact that he just does a lot of damage if you do get hit by him didn't help either. Uh, I never got hit by the horse. I don't know if he really messes you up. I don't uh, think so. Yeah, like, I, I just thought that it was a really cool game where I'm just out there in the world and I'm hunting these monsters and I'm, like, liberating this area and making it, like, hospitable to humans again. <laughs> and, like, my cool god buddy wants to revive my girlfriend. And I just, I felt like a badass, like, killing all these monsters. Nothing and it turns sinister. out I'm the fucking bad guy? <laughs> Nothing sinister like, at all fuck? about this disembodied voice telling you to murder these gods. He was going to revive my girlfriend. I'd have no reason not to trust him, Larry. Uh-huh. I mean, there's... You saw her, she's a babe! No. At 8 out of 10. Like, of course I'm reviving that. Uh, yeah, nothing sinister about the black tendrils that escape from the Colossus. I thought it was like I'm absorbing Colossus power and I'm getting stronger because, like, my stamina gauge and my health bar kept going up, so I thought that was, like, a good thing. Sure, it's also why you get pale and sickly throughout Yeah, well, I couldn't see that so good because of all the bloom. (laughs) Yeah, good point. It is much more noticeable than the remake and HD versions, I'll say. Yeah, in the fi- in the final cutscene, I was like, "Oh wow, I don't look so good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had this moment where I was like, "Wait a minute, killing all these guys making me sick? I thought it was making me stronger." Um. Yeah, that ending is kind of fucked up. It took like all the empowerment that I had away from me, and I wasn't cool with it. I thought that was a bit shitty, and that's my least favorite part of the game. I just wanted like the ending to be that like my girlfriend wakes up and she's just like, "You killed all those colossi. You're a badass." And then we like ride away on my hearse that doesn't have a broken leg. It's like the end of Army of Darkness. Yeah, you just say hail to the king, baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 
uh, but really, That's all I wanted from this video game, I didn't get anything that I wanted, nothing that I expected. Uh, I will say, my actual least favorite part about the game mechanically is riding that fucking horse. Yeah, it was it that, was an early if, horse game. Like that was before they figured out so how bad. to make horses in three D. Yeah, God, it it really sucks trying to control that thing. Like I didn't really need to look up tutorials or anything on like how to actually beat the bosses, but I did get to a part where like some of the classes were so far away that I just wanted to understand like what the path to them is, so I don't have to spend any more time than I have to on that horse. Mm. No, I that mean... stuff. Awful. To me, like my favorite part of that game isn't really finding the Colossi, it's wandering around the world and uh finding the way to them. Uh and like navigating this like empty world. Like it's the closest anybody has come to making it a game that feels like a Tarkovsky movie. Like the Stalker games <laughs> don't feel as much like a Tarkovsky game as a yeah. or movie as Shadow of the Colossus does. That and like yeah, just killing them off and knowing that this is clearly a bad thing, but you still have to keep doing it, and just like getting progressively more depressed as it goes on. I kept getting more like excited well. as it was going on. Yeah, like every well. time I killed one of them, I felt great about myself, and like I felt stronger and better, and like having the rug pulled out from underneath me is really just kind of cheap and unfair. I really don't know if this is a bit or not. <laughs> I feel like it is, but I'm not quite say. sure. <laughs> Who knows? I will say point. that me at like 15 or whenever when that game came out clearly understood what was happening. Um, but yeah, I... I'm 33 years old and I thought I was a badass in this video game <laughs> until the game explicitly told me that I'm not a badass. I just don't know why it had to wait until like the 11th hour to get to the point. Stabbing but a Colossus in the forehead and going, balls of steel. <laughs> I kept like sending UIM Discord just going like 10 Colossus dead. Yeah, I killed I them all. <laughs> yeah. I know. I felt great about this whole thing. Um, Again, yeah. I was not... So I'm pretty sure this is yeah. a bit, but okay. Uh, so, like, actually, my favorite part about that game is the opposite from yours. Mine is seeing the Colossi come in, like, seeing how large they are in scope and then oh, yeah. trying to figure out what I need to do to overcome them. I mean, I, I like, like that stuff way more than traversing the world. Like, I do like that stuff more. more. I mean, not more, but I do like that stuff quite a bit. Um, okay. Specifically one part I will always remember is the, um, the horse one or not, not horse, but like the, the, the four, the four Even legged, like fucking the horse, <laughs> the second one that you fight. I, I guess the one I'm calling a horse is actually kind of more of a deer, really. Um, yeah. But it's a four-legged one, and, like, riding up to it, and it comes out and, like, looks down at you. That When I first played that, I was like, oh, man, that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, almost all of the Colossi designs are good. And I'm going to say there are some stinkers in there, but for the most part, I like the look of all of them. Yeah, I... Actually, I did die to the final one a few times, but that's because, like, the game does not really require you to, like, backwards jump off the ledge, really, until that yeah. point in the game. Yeah, that, and that it gets is a little... very unclear what um, to do. Yes, I agree with so that. So I dumped myself into a pit a lot. 
until eventually I made a save state by that ledge just so I can like repeatedly try to figure out like what it wanted me to do Pit. with the controller to get that jump. The part I remember being difficult is at the end when you're like on his hand and he raises his up, raises it, raises it up and like trying to jump from the back of the hand over to his head. Yes, that's really difficult too, but that is a combination of the aforementioned control issue, which again, I had no idea like what button combination I wanted for me to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there is a ledge where they, they have you do it, and I think the point of that is, hey, you need to fam- familiarize yourself with this because you're going to be doing it when you get to the actual boss. But like that's tough, too, because the camera angle on that part is very bad, and he does not hold his hand there for very long, no. so you got to be quick about it. Um, at least, though, if you fail to jump on, you're already at his weak point, and so it's not asking that much to just stab him again to get the hand to come over, but like th- that part ain't great yeah the rest of that boss is a lot of fun though yeah um and he looks super cool especially when you're far away and see how just how huge he yeah. is of the lightning and everything uh the the main issue i would have with the designs is that there are too many like bipedal ones that kind of look the same like there's that the first one you fight and then there's yeah. also the one that's in that sort of arena place with the walls on each side and then there's the other one in the cave with the beard that you can jump on like they're yeah. basically all the same thing. Yeah, there's uh they use that bull boss twice. Yeah, and that too. like pretty close together. Yeah, did not spread them out. And the bull becomes a regular enemy later on when you go to the demon runes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about games that like use bipedal bosses, maybe way too much. Mm. Dark Souls. Um. But yeah, like I I. I do like the design of the Colossi overall, like actually kind of liking it back to a Souls game. Like I really enjoy the boss designs in Demon Souls. And I think that these kind of carry the same weight for me of just like these designs are really good. They got a very specific art style to them. They really get me invested in kind of the fantasy aesthetic of this world. Uh, I like them a whole lot. Yeah, they have a really uh, so cohesive it's also not surprising look. that blue point also had a hand in remaking both of them yeah they they look very cohesive like um, the the sort of the stonework and moss and fur combinations yeah. of them uh yeah it's uh but i i also enjoy like how this stuff ends up folding back into eco mm-hmm. uh specifically so i'm wondering if you got the same read of this that i did but so, since you haven't finished eco perhaps <laughs> not i don't think it matters because child the classes takes place beforehand but it does. Um, that's the thing. You were playing this, and I was like, "Well, it's a prequel to Eco." And then you were like, "Yeah, wait, what? Maybe I didn't actually finish this game." Yeah, it turns out. So I had I have this on the PlayStation Two, and I know I played it on on the PlayStation Three, and I thought that I beat it. But then going through the game the second time, I think I only beat like four or five of the claw side. And then for whatever reason, I bounced off of it, went to something else. Uh, and then with the computer issues I had, I was worried that that would kill my save. And and thankfully it didn't. But I was starting to get worried that this is a cursed game and I will never see the ending to it. Uh, short of just watching it on YouTube, which I didn't want to do. Uh, but the ending of this game is is basically uh, the, the the church or whatever that, that had a hand in killing your girlfriend because she was cursed in some way. They realize you took their fucking sword and you went to go like negotiate with a demon and they're like, hey, asshole, don't do that. 
except it's too late you did it and you revived this god and he comes back inside of you and so they have to seal the place and get rid of the sword yep but your girlfriend still revives and she finds you and you're a terrifying little baby with horns on your head uh-huh and then there's a long credit sequence of her kind of carrying you up this tower where there is more and more life the further up they get because they they the, the Guys, they destroy the bridge and everything. They seal it off, and so you think that well, whatever's over here is probably doomed anyway. Uh, but there's not; they, they can live comfortably up there. So I think the implication is that the girl that you save ends up becoming the queen in Eco. That for whatever reason, her getting revived just gives her like eternal life, and that as time marches on, she becomes more and more like corrupted and like disenfranchised about the world around her i don't know about that because like the the god at the start of the game tells you like she'll come back but it ain't going to be a good thing that she comes back yeah it it could be but also i don't think like the kid at the end is actually like eco um I no think it's not it's eco. just like it's... a line a cursed lineage or something yeah he's one of but those that's, that's kind of what i'm getting at though is yeah, the kid at the end, I'm pretty sure, is just whatever is left of Wander, which is the main yeah. character of Shadow of the Colossus. Wander Vision. That, yeah. As, as he grows up and as time goes on, his lineage becomes viewed as being cursed because of the role that he had played in reviving that god. Well, and I don't know so that they, they keep... Eco would even specifically be like directly related to this kid. I think it's just like that curse gets passed on. Well, that's what I'm saying is like this Shadow of the Colossus, I'm pretty sure, takes like an incredibly long time after. I'm sorry, Eco takes a long time after Shadow of the Colossus. So by this point, it's not that it's like, oh, he's directly part of that family tree so much as it's just these kids just kind of exist now because it's been a very long time. Yeah. And so they're just they're sort of out there. They're in small numbers, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're still viewed as cursed and they're they're dumped off on this island. But like I kind of just the woman you save she looks very similar to the queen yeah and so i, don't know, also, I just kind of got the sense that's that, kind of like, just a way to style also. like everybody kind of looks Could like be. that yeah i don't know but that sword is in uh it's in both of them so i i think it's also kind of implied that the location you're at in shadow of the Colossus is roughly where the castle is in eco like maybe it is actually the same castle you're just exploring different parts of it or something like that? Mm, not sure. I don't think so. Because you can know. kind of see that whole shrine. And that uh, that garden's just like at the top. You can go to the garden yeah. if you know how to get see up there. See that garden, you can go there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's neat the way that those games connect together, but they are open-ended enough that the exact way that they connect together is kind of left to your interpretation. Yeah, so I remember that's a weird thing where Ueda at first would not admit that they were related, even though they very clearly are. Like, he would just keep yeah. playing coy about it and be like, mm, well, it's up, it's up to the player's I interpretation. And, and then eventually he was just like, okay, yeah, they are. Yeah. Come on, who are you fooling? So it's been a while since I played uh, The Last Guardian. That is also connected to the same universe, right? Wasn't there horn kids in that too? I don't think so. Okay. It has the same look, but I don't think that's actually directly related. 
from what I remember. I also did not finish that because uh, speaking of games, they're a chore to play. Oh uh, boy, yeah. Um, probably a worse game than Eco, I think, just because you have the AI on the dog bird is very finicky. Oh yeah. It's I was just thinking dealing with the the horse and the tortoise for an entire game. <laughs> It's like, please get the fuck over here and do the thing I need you to do. Yeah, make your eyes glow green or whatever I need at this point. Uh, I, I was thinking I should, I have that on disc uh, because I'm a sucker and got it when it came out. Um, Same here. And so I should install that on the PlayStation 5 because if you install it from the disc and don't update it, it will run an uncapped frame rate. Uh, so you can actually have it smooth. So mm. I might try that. See if that helps. Yeah. You'll make it an hour into that game and just be like, yeah, it plays better, but I'm not going to finish it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, Um. I guess uh, if I were to give a rating to both these games, there are 16 colossi, so it just kind of makes sense to go off a scale of the number of colossi. Uh, Eco, I'd probably give uh, 8 colossi out of 16. I understand that's kind of right in the middle. I think that, like, a lot of Eco gets carried by my infatuation with the art style. Because again, like I, I saw this thing a lot back in the day and just never got a chance to play it, but I always wanted to. Uh, and I always remember seeing pictures of like the international box art and thinking it looked really cool. Oh, yeah. Even though like none of that box is actually all that representative of the actual game. But the American box art looks like fucking shit and is even less representative <laughs> of the actual game. I love how you glitched out at the exact right moment there. But that's... <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah, not surprising. Eco did not sell well in the United States, and part of it is that fucking box. Yeah. And uh, Shadow of the Clauses, it was something I was much more aware of at, at the time. I, th- I That was a big thing of people starting to like beat the drum of games as art. Uh, except, unlike most games where people beat that drum, I think Shadow of the Clauses is generally fun to play. Yeah, there are definitely like some low moments in it. I mean, it's I, an actual I game. It's not game. like a walking simulator type yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, the the thing with Shadow of the Colossus is, even though I have some issues with it, I actually would be willing to play that again by way of that remake. I want to buy that when it hits a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which I can't say the same for something like Dear Esther. Ugh. Gone home. Life is strange. Oh, I mean, well, Final Fantasy of Spirits Within is such a great movie. All the teenagers <laughs> love it. Uh, Spirits Within is on Amazon Prime right now. Like right as soon as my Prime membership ended, I want to see that thing. I really do. Why? This is, that is one of those cases of I need to see firsthand how bad this is, and for the low, low price of free. It's I just feel like that boring. is the perfect way to get in. Sure, like that's kind of the sense that I got from it. But if it's free and it's on Amazon Prime and I get like 30 minutes in and I'm falling asleep, I can just shut it off. Yeah, and, I mean, I, and I've not wasted money. They that. have all the CGI. They put so much money into it, and then a lot of it is just people in labs talking. Yeah, I remember when they were just like they the model of that main lady was one that they had completely created from the ground up, and they were like, "It's the first digital actress. She's going to star in other movies." And then yeah. fucking no one did that. It's <laughs> like, hell no, we don't want your CG model in our movie. That was like a real concern at the time also. Like, yeah. remember that Al Pacino movie about the digital actress? 
Simone. Yes. With a with a one instead of an I. Yeah, I get it because it's like binary. Yeah, and then they started doing like it all started coming up again when there was like the CGI Tarkin in Rogue One and whatever. Oh, they're going I remember to start that back with resuscitating dead actors with yeah. CGI. And, well, if well, they keep looking like this, no, they Tron. won't. Uh, Those yes. concerned with Tron, where they they were also like, well, if you can DH these actors, then they could just sell the rights to their likeness, and you could just keep using the actors. Yeah, although um, that was still Jeff Bridges, at least. Also, I would say it yeah. actually it worked in Tron because he was a computer man, so the weirdness yes. of his face actually worked for that. Yeah, it it made more sense. Also, you had regular uh, Jeff Bridges in there too, just duding it up in the grid. Hell yeah. Digital frontier. We get Tron 3.0. We won't have Daft Punk doing the music for it, and that is depressing. Yeah, but also the next Tron was supposed to star Jared Leto. Remember? That's true. So it would have been depressing either way. Yes. Remember how Killian Murphy was in Tron Legacy for like 20 seconds and uncredited? Oh, barely. He was just like in that boardroom or something. Huh. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember that now. I think yeah. he was supposed he to be like, like set up. Lines. He was supposed to be set up as like the bad guy for a third, I guess, was the idea. But... Yeah. Oh, that ain't happening. Or will, and it just won't be connected to Tron 2.0 at all. It'll Doesn't have Killian Murphy. Not interested. No, I, I think Tron 2.0 like was the game, thing. by the way. Legacy ah, was the movie. Who cares? Same thing. They're both old butts. One of them has Olivia Wilde, but the other one's just computer rendered. What is with me today? I don't know. Welcome to, to the Ass and Titties podcast. I'm your host, <laughs> George ass Rundle. Bugs Bonnie. Ass, ass, titties, titties, ass and titties. Big booty bitches, that's when ring gets. Um, turning into Hideki. <laughs> You're becoming the funky uncle. Yeah, I'm metamorphosing into Naganuma. Um, yeah, shout out the Colossus. I would give that probably like a solid 14 Colossi out of 16. Wow. Um, you know, I I do have issues with the horse riding. Not yeah. a fan of it. Horse meat but rider. But boy, I really like the rest of that game. Uh, I I think that it is. Interesting. Um, the the way that it toyed with my emotions and my expectations, uh, they were properly subverted. Uh, I have never it felt new ground. Quite as, I would never felt quite as hoodwinked by a game. Um, <laughs> the only time I felt this kind of like thrown for a loop was with the Last Jedi. So <laughs> that's a sign of quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember the bit where John Boyega had to ride that fucking horse. That also sucked. What's with horses? Oh no! Terrible, terrible, god awful creatures. That was That's in uh, Rise of Skywalker, by the way. Oh wait, yes, yes. The, no, it was yeah, in Last Jedi. Okay. Well, yeah. there's also the horse things in well, Rise of Skywalker yeah, that they write on. Sure. That's it for Retro Corner, uh, which takes us to the last. Hey, bit I, of podcast, I, I, I give my ratings. Uh, who cares? You, you forget? <laughs> hey, how dare I'm looking at my. <laughs> Amazon order history and I see that I bought Shadow of the Colossus and had it sent to your house in 2009. That's right. You did. 
And then you apparently played four or four clauses, so we're like, yep, yeah, had enough of that. So that was a good use fair, of money. To be fair, when I was considering playing this, I really wanted to go back and play the copy that I had, because I, you know, my PlayStation 3 works totally fine. The problem is that PlayStation 3 controller is fucking trash, and it's just got, like, the glues coming loose, and there's gunk all over it, and it feels physically awful oh, to hold that it, controller does now. it have the like sticky sticks like the ps2 yes. controllers would do great yes yeah so if i want to play that thing again i need to buy like a new playstation 3 controller and just at that point in time i didn't feel like sitting down and and buying a controller yeah because like what else am i going to play on the playstation 3 metal gear solid 4 it's not a fucking option <laughs> not doing that it's so weird they haven't ported that uh, it kind of makes sense. It's Konami. Konami yeah. don't care. It, it's not only is it Konami, it's a Konami game that Hideo Kojima worked on, so Konami is not going to fucking bother. Maybe. Also, I, I wonder how much of that is just porting over PlayStation 3 games is tough depending on the game because of the weird way that they had to be coded. Maybe. Maybe there's just something up with Metal Gear Solid 4 where that is asking a bit too much. I'm not sure. And also, like, if you ported that over, you'd lose those really long segments of Snake smoking I, at that point. I was just about to say, yes, I'm not sure it'd be the same experience without watching Snake smoke as you install the game. Yeah, with little, like, uh, things in the corner just being like, yeah, get rid of your cigarette butts, don't litter. Yeah, Surgeon General's warning, smoking causes <laughs> cancer. Right. Yeah. What's your rating? Uh, for Eco, I would give it probably the three and a half out of ten. Not fun at all to play. Looks cool. Good aesthetic. Do not want to play it ever. Uh, Shadow mm. of the Colossus, ten out of ten. My favorite game of all time. Uh, really? Yes. This is not news to you. I would have just assumed that something else would have come out between then and now that would have maybe been higher up on that list. No, and top three is basically Shadow of the Colossus, Jet Set Radio Future, Um Jammer Lammy. That's the top three. I, I really have a hard time distilling mine down because I feel like my list of the all-time greats just kind of like changes depending on the day. I think past the top sure three, yes, that's the case for me. I don't know that I can make a defend of top ten. I'm but. pretty sure on my top three, it's at least Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, and um, uh, probably Final Fantasy Tactics. Freak. Probably Final Fantasy Tactics, or like FF9. Those two are like so close to me. I'm not sure which one would kind of win out there. Okay. But yeah. Look, this is why I never share my top three favorite games, because I'm very non-committal. All right. Burning Force is really good too. So I mean, who knows? What? What's that? We'll talk about it next week. Oh, okay. That'd be Burning Force, and I've now invested into getting like all the emblems in Sonic Adventure, which means I won't be finishing a old game anytime soon. Oh. So I get to start oh. burning through stuff that I have previously played. I Comic have time because Soulstorm is not out for like a month, Comic and so I was like, Comic well, I better. Score. It's, it's time okay. for Comics Corner. All right. Larry, what? speaking of things that you bought me, yes. at least I actually enjoyed all these from start to finish. Woo! Uh, unlike Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, for 
Christmas, or maybe it was my birthday. I can't remember which. It was which, Christmas. Uh, it was, okay, it was a little weird this year the way we did that stuff. Yeah. But um, you had bought me four different books. Um, Black Hammer. Uh, oh, what's the name of the Joker one? Hold on, I got them. Killer, uh, Killer Smile. Throw these on the ground. It was Killer so Smile. Killer Smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is also by Jeff Lemire. Yes. Uh, who did Black Hammer. Uh, and also Sweet Tooth, uh, yeah. which is a series I also liked a lot. Uh, I don't have it anymore because the first volume went out of print, and so it was worth a lot of money, and so I decided to cash in. Uh, but but Sweet Tooth is very good, and it is worth reading, and uh, if you can buy all those without having to spend like 75 damn dollars on the first volume, you should. You can just buy the trades. Uh, it was only the deluxe hardcovers that went out of print. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe I should do that at some point. Because uh, Sweet Tooth is really good. Uh, you also got me Wonder Woman Dead Earth. It's also Earth. coming back. They're doing a sequel series oh. now. Oh, nice. Sweet Tooth The Return, named like Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, I like the part where Sweet Tooth looks directly at the reader and says, We are in a dream. I liked when he said, uh, Jeopard is cool. Jeopard has always been cool. <laughs> Uh, you got me Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which is by Daniel Warren Johnson with yeah. Mike Spicer. Um, and then uh, Rachel the was the other one. Oh, yeah, right? Rachel Rising. Yeah. Uh, which I've not read Rachel Rising yet because that thing is bone levels of thick. Oh, yeah. It's a Rachel's lot of comic. Thick. Um. I'll get to it. I I have a, a volume of JoJo's that I need to finish, and then um, I got Ramina, uh, the newest Junji Ito book, and I would like to get through that because that'll also be a pretty brisk read, and then I can sit down and really just devote time to Rachel Rising. John but, Ramina Jr. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I read all these. I like them all. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about them. All Larry, right. which one do you want to start off with? Um, bu- 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 I have the most thoughts about Black Hammer I'll okay. say that Well Black Hammer is the one I remember the least about Because that was longer okay. ago than the others Why don't you start with that I guess Okay so Black Hammer has a really interesting concept to it uh, It's basically Silver Age superheroes Who fought like the anti-god And uh-huh. in their battle they all get warped To this idyllic uh, sort of rustic, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. It seems almost lost in time, this place. Uh, and the problem is they can't get out. If they try to go past a certain threshold, they will get basically atomized. And they find this out because one of the heroes, uh, the titular Black Hammer, attempts to leave and uh, gets cooked. And now his hammer kind of marks the threshold uh, that they cannot move past. And so these different characters, they all kind of adjust to this new life in different ways. So uh, Abraham Slam. They're they're all like coded based on like Silver Age Marvel and DC characters. So yeah. Some more obvious than others. Like Barbalian oh, yeah. is very clearly Martian Manhunter. Uh, yes. The, the girl is Mary Marvel. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like sure. Abraham Slam, I think, is a little more vague yeah, i think more nebulous colonel a weird little bit batman-esque like, yeah and colonel weird is like mostly adam strange i guess yeah um yeah but, yeah so like abraham slam he's into it 
Yeah. He's just like, I'm an old dude. I already was like thinking about hanging it up and just kind of retiring to a place like this anyway. So like, it's fine by me. Uh, the the girl, oh, uh, Golden Gale. She yeah, that's it. Fucking hates it here. Well, yeah, she should. She's like stuck in a <laughs> tiny girl body. Yeah, so her, so her thing is she says the phrase Zafram and she will turn into Golden Gale, which is a little girl. It's the it's the inverse of Captain Marvel where yeah. he says Shazam and he turns into a big boy. Or again, Mary Marvel, uh, but, be, but yeah, same thing. Sure. But since she's trapped here, instead of being like the late 50s, early 60s woman that she should be, she's trapped in the body of a little girl and she hates it. And so she drinks and she smokes all the time and just causes trouble for everybody and repeatedly contemplates suicide. Yeah. As a goth um, phase at one point, from what yep, I remember, very briefly as a goth phase, uh, and then yeah, Barbalian, uh, he is in fact gay, and he has a thing for the priest in town that goes exactly like how you think it would. Yeah, uh, no spoilers there. Also, uh, though, Colonel, I, I like how I remember with the introduction of him. There's like that flashback where he's on Mars, and the the wolf. Leader of the Martians or whatever he is It's like you know there have been Rumors about you <laughs> It's like why would Martians Care like whatever Yeah not being gay Is also a taboo there I guess, I guess. Like at, at whatever point in time but Um But yes so there's there's also uh, Colonel Weird who is he's Tripping through the parazone uh, yeah, Just popping in he, and out yeah, he seems to be one of two characters who seems to know more than they're letting on. Mm. Uh, his partner is Talkie Walkie, who is my favorite character. It's a lady robot. Yeah. Uh, who is making these probes to try to like push past the limits of the of the farm and figure out what's out there, and is actually having success even though she doesn't realize it. Uh, and then there is Madame Dragonfly, uh, mm-hmm. who. Has a nice swamp thing boyfriend that she can't get back to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she's cursed to always remain in this like witch's shack. And when she ends up getting transported here, the shack comes with her. So she's mostly just out there doing her own thing. Uh, but she also seems to know more than she's letting on. And so eventually, like most of the comic, at least the volume that I got, is just kind of exploring these characters' backgrounds. And it's just, it's very much like a character drama and just getting into who they are, their struggles in their previous life as superheroes, and their struggles now that they are basically in purgatory. And then eventually Black Hammer's daughter ends up coming into the picture. I can't remember if they actually test to see whether or not she can leave. I think it's just assumed that she cannot because she has a connection to the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, but and when she shows she's up, like Madam. The new Black Hammer. Yeah, so Madame Dragonfly erases her memory when she first gets there. And then she suggests to Talkie Walkie about, like, reconfiguring the probe in some way that would actually work. And then Colonel Weird shows up and blasts Talkie Walkie, (laughs) which was very upsetting to me, because, again, my favorite character. Yeah. Uh, And then, like, eventually she ends up picking up the Black Hammer and becomes Black Hammer. Yeah. And says that she remembers everything. And that's where it fucking ends. And I'm upset with you. Because <laughs> I need to know what happens next. By the next volume. This is all I've read, too, actually. I haven't read past this. Because, well, this is like the series. This yeah. is all there was. And then later he came back with the second series. And all of these, like, there's like 8 million spinoffs. Uh, which yeah. I've not read any of either. Um, I was thinking that this actually wrapped up all within this book. I thought that this was it. 
so oh. when I got there, I was actually genuinely upset that there was no resolution <laughs> to anything. Because like, sorry, I would think the <laughs> volume one would be a bit of a tip off. Uh, I wonder if that's just on the dust jacket because I had removed that because I don't like transporting comics around with the dust jacket and risking getting those torn and everything. Mm, I think it's the exact same art, which actually I don't uh-huh. like. I like when the interior cover is just like a more simple, like maybe embossed thing, yeah. and then the, I, the comic like art too. is just on the dust jacket. Yeah. Um, but in any case, I was hoping for more of a resolution because like, I, I think I had a harder time getting through maybe the first third of the book because it starts very, very slowly. Yeah. But then like it actually starts to like do some very interesting things with its characters. And then as you push on the stuff, it kind of plants there about like Colonel Weird and Madame Dra- Dragonfly maybe knowing more about what's going on than they're letting on got me really like interested to see where they go with that. Yeah. So there's no resolution to anything in this book. <laughs> they they don't explain anything about Colonel Weird knowing what's up. They don't explain anything with Dra- Dragonfly. Black Hammer goes, I remember everything, and then it ends right there. So I what evidently have it? to buy the next book. Yes. <laughs> it's just Laura Palmer screaming. Um, but I was a bit discouraged when I found out that there is, like you said, a million side series to this. And so now I don't know, like, okay, well. How the fuck do I approach collecting this and reading the story? They're putting those in separate books. There's just the um, Black Hammer Library Edition Volume 2, which just has this next series. And then there are the World of Black Hammer books, which are all the spinoffs. As long as I don't need to read the spinoffs to understand the main story, then I'm cool. I don't think so, because I think a lot of those came out after the main series. Like that's okay. what they're doing now. Like I think currently there are like three well, spin-offs going at the moment. The thing that I especially hate is when you do spin-off series that heavily tie into the story of the main series and then you split those into a different book as opposed to like the IDW way of doing it where you just chronologically order everything so the story is readable. Um, so that always worries me when I see that like hey there's a series I like but there's side content and that is Quarantined into its own thing I love side content I like side content too I just wanted to be part of the thing is I don't really mind when it's separated out What I hate is when they like do a deluxe Hardcover of one thing and then The other ones are just like regular trade Paperbacks oh that's that's the worst Like if, if I have to Like juggle back and forth between Giant hardcovers that's fine like it doesn't matter To me yeah um Although and to be... Ninja Turtles is also a unique thing Because that has so many of them And it's just like yeah, one yeah, issue does. here and there And yeah. it's a mess Here's the Ghostbusters This actually ties in the main story You're required to read it <laughs> Yeah Um. Yeah. Also like to be fair a lot of my experience With that sort of stuff is from DC Which is just generally awful About all of this mm-hmm. And Black Hammer is a Dark Horse Thing which I know it's an imprint but they seem to do better at Dark Horse yeah, than they do at imprint. DC. Isn't Dark Horse an imprint of DC? No. Or am I thinking of something else? Think of something else. Think okay. of Wildstorm? Maybe. And Dark Horse is a separate company. Okay. Well, in any case, maybe Dark Horse does it better than DC. DC is the one I'm familiar with. Uh, I've so. got that bumper sticker Dark Horse does it better. <laughs> Anyway, I like uh, I like Black Hammer a lot. I'm probably going to try to collect more of that eventually because I I desperately need to know where they go with that story. Yeah, uh, Def Lemire is very good at that. 
because Sweet Tooth was the same thing where like by the end of the first volume I was like I I need to know where this goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, um even though I tend to not like the art in things that Jeff Lemire writes. I was not a huge fan of the art in Sweet Tooth, admittedly. I'm not that big of a fan of the art in Black Hammer. Oh, see, I like uh, Dean Ormston's art. Um, see, he he was the illustrator for a lot of the, um, the Mike Carey Lucifer series. Mm. And he's a lot better now than he was back then, I would say. It, like, his stuff is very ugly. Um, it kind of reminds yeah. me of War and Police if he was competent. Uh... <laughs> God, I hate Warren Police so much. It's the nicest thing anyone ever said about Warren Police. Ugh. Uh, he ruined yeah, like I, I don't everything he worked on. Um, I don't hate it. It's it's fine. I'm just not as as into it. I'm not pouring over every panel uh, like I might in some other books that I have. But okay, but um, yeah. I am looking and. So it looks like between the two series of Black Hammer, there were two spinoffs: the uh, Sherlock okay. Frankenstein and Doctor Star. The names uh, of all the characters in in Black Hammer, by the way, are perfect. <laughs> they are <They're> very stupid. <laughs> yes. Um, I I laughed out loud when they first said uh, Sherlock Frankenstein, and I yeah. can't think of the last time I did that with a comic book. Yeah. Um, um. And then there was Black Hammer: Age of Doom, which is the actual the second series. And then spinoffs, uh, Quantum Age, 45, the, the Black Hammer Justice League. That was pretty recent. Uh, and then, like, just from the past few months, there is Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy, Colonel Weird, Cosmogog, and Barbalian Red Planet. Uh, That's and- a... The Justice thing, the Justice League thing, reminds me of probably one of my favorite parts of the Black Hammer book that I that I read, which is um, there this like entity keeps attaching to the face of like people within the orbit of these characters, and they eventually have to bring Black Hammer into Madame Dragon Dragonfly because it's on him, and she's just like, why would I help you guys? Like I looked in my cauldron and I saw you planning to make like a Justice League thing and you didn't invite me. And they're just <laughs> like, well. You wouldn't have said yes anyway, and she's like, "Yeah, but it's like the thought that counts. <laughs> like, just invite me to your shit." Yeah. Oh, um, uh, something to note here: the uh, Colonel Weird series is drawn by Tyler Crook, who uh, drew Petrograd and a lot of uh, the later BPRD. I like his stuff a lot. Mm. Um, Harrow County, I think he's done stuff with. So, like, sort of a dark horse guy, really. Yeah. Um, but he's great. So. Well, Black Black Hammer comes recommended by me, although, uh, again, it is a Jeff Lemire joint. So, expect that the writing is very good and it's going to leave you wanting more. And so my issue is that I don't have more of it. Yeah, I want to get... My uh, complaint. His, um... What is it? Tree... Gideon Falls, I think. Um, mm-hmm. that just wrapped up recently, so I want to read that. I've been waiting for it to finish before I actually start reading it because I don't want to get stuck, like waiting months on end. Because that's an image book, I think. So he kind of just it yeah. comes out whenever he feels like it because he already does like eight books every month. Uh, yeah, my bro Lemire. Also, if anybody hasn't read Essex County, go check that out. It's my favorite from him. 
since uh, we're talking about Jeff Lemire, maybe the next one we talk about is Joker Killer Smile. All right. Uh, this is also written by Jeff Lemire. Uh, this is the Anytime You Buy Me comics. It is mandatory that at least one of them has something to do with Batman. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You have to but have this is very good. everything Batman related. <laughs> yes. But this is very good because, again, Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I think this is the first Jeff Lemire thing I read where I'm way into the art, too. There's There's some bits where I'm not as much of a fan of it, but like the way that it's uh Andrea Sorrentino. And, and Andrea Sorrentino. <laughs> Got Tim. And uh, Jordi LaForge. Um so he's done a I'm lot sorry, of stuff with Lair. Andrea Sorrentino has done a lot of stuff with Jeff Lemire. Um in fact I I think he's actually the artist on Gideon Falls. Uh, and he did the Old Man Logan series that Lemire did a few years ago. Oh, um, okay. But Andrew Sorrentino like first came about with the I Vampire series in the New Fifty Two, which was one of those that was like way better than anyone expected it would be. Uh, and he's always had that same style of like really thin lines. Uh. And sort of like an almost sketchy look to it Which I'm into I think he kind of yeah. goes overboard sometimes With the face model sort of thing But eh, Yeah, no. I was going to say That's that's pretty much my complaint Is is the kind of face model stuff um, But I really like his panel layouts They're extremely dynamic yeah. Like every page feels like a Just a solid picture in of itself Rather than treating every panel As an individual picture Mm-hmm. Kind of a weird thing to communicate what I mean exactly but and It's very similar to like J.H. Williams the third The stuff he kind of does Like if you look at Batwoman Elegy As an example um, Yeah Yeah it, but, it's, uh, it's more like Overall composition Rather than sequential panels Yeah I think my only real complaint with Killer Smile Is that the story it's telling isn't exactly A Unique story for the character of the Joker It is basically just the Harley Quinn thing again But if it were a dude And he has a wife and kid yeah, uh, It is just Psychiatrist thinks he can figure Joker out Joker fucks with him uh, I do think that some of the way that it tells that story Is more interesting than it has been in the past Specifically with the sort of like Amnesiac effect that the Joker is having On the therapist yeah, Where which he is thinks weird. he's only had three sessions But it's been like three years Yeah it, it makes me wonder, like, did the jokester get a hold of some of Scarecrow's gas or something? Yeah. Because I think that the most interesting part about this book for me was there is basically an epilogue where the same thing happens to Batman. Yeah. Where he is now in Arkham, and everyone's trying to convince him that, like, no, Batman is a construct that you made to cope with the fact that you shot your dad because a TV show told you to do it. But, uh, but the... he's able to break out of it also. Yes. Which proves yeah, that Bruce is made of stronger stuff than some stupid <laughs> freak who works at Arkham. <laughs> yes, because um, it's like it's essentially lucid dreaming, I guess. Really, because he's kind of like, show yeah. me a sign, and like gets the bat signal to show up. And he's like, ah, I got it. I knew it. Well, that's the second sign he gets because the first one he's talking because the doctor occupies the cell beside him, and he's just like, look, I know you're in on it. I know that they're probably threatening your wife and kid, but like, I need you to give me a sign that I'm not losing it. And he holds up this little like bag puppet that Bruce made as a kid that he mm-hmm. would have no other reason to have. True. So that's how Batman knows. Like, ah, just, people are pulling a prank on me. Yeah. 
the weirdest bit though is that Gordon is working as a psychiatrist there. And I'm not <laughs> sure how that how that factors into everything. How I mean, he got put up to it. Well, it's all hallucination. Like none of it's real. Yeah. I so. guess like there's maybe an argument to make that actually the stuff that happened before the psychiatrist is not real and the stuff happening with Bruce is real and that seeing the bat signal and the puppet is a delusion. And like, that's the kind of thing that I find neat about this book is it does a good job of getting you, the reader to kind of question what exactly is going on. I think it's, it's open ended enough. Not real because why would the jokester be doing stuff when Bruce was a kid? That's like, unless you were because the like, jokester the never existed. Gotham. He never existed. Okay, but Mr. Smiles did or whatever it was Yeah, which is a construct of Bruce's mind Mr. Smiles is made up because Bruce is a sicko And just trying to stab himself in the eye with scissors Oh, I love that in the back of this book There's like two different versions of that scene Like they needed to get the eye stabbing to feel just uncomfortable enough Oh, really? Yeah I I got in single issues so I don't have like a bonus material yeah, there's a, a few pages where the layout is completely different. The art's totally different. And that was one of the pages where they took a second pass at it. Oh. And originally, instead of it going like you had Bruce's perspective, yeah, it was just like a side shot of it getting closer and closer until it's almost touching the eye. Yeah, I like the POV shot of yeah. the scissors. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel that there's enough there that you can kind of have a more like interpretation based take on it but i do think i side more on oh batman is batman bruce was getting fucked with by the joker yeah maybe he did get scarecrow's gas i do like that the only supervillain. well th- there's a bit where all the villains are like in a, a diner but the only one to actually like kind of exist in the real world is two-face occasionally greeting the psychiatrist as he comes in croc does croc's uh, like in the Oh right, yeah. Um, exercise yeah. yard or whatever. Is told the cannibal joke. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I do like the guy coming in and Harvey just being like, "Dude, just be careful." Yeah. Um, but, it's one uh, of the few interpret few times Harvey Dent is presented as just kind of being a nice guy who's being thoughtful about somebody else. Yeah. What I think happened, like with that final issue, was that at some point. In that fight they had, like Joker infected him with something like I don't know a venom or whatever. Yeah, uh, and so oh right, that's he does. He does miss him. Yeah, yeah, with something. I think he like but sort of stabs even... him a little too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I kind of my brain glossed over that fact because um, there is a bit where like they they bust out. Joker gets out of Arkham. It's a really good escape sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Batman beats him up, and Joker's just like, hey. Uh, you can either save this guy's family or you can deal with me. And Batman's just like, I'm, I'm coming back for you, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, and the end of that's creepy too, where it's like, oh yeah, Joker's still out there, and it's like him giving a like an ice cream to a girl or something. Uh, a yeah, balloon, which ties weird. into like an earlier sort of. Um, I thought it was the last thing he did before he got arrested, but maybe it's just a fantasy, like something he's dreaming up, which is that he launches all these balloons with Joker toxin. Oh, yeah, and they yeah. all blow up and infect like a, a large crowd of people, and so yeah, it ties back into that because it's one of the balloons, and he's handing it to a to a kid. Yeah, um, yeah, Joker's creepy as shit in this book. Yeah, uh, I also liked how they portrayed him as like the the white and red look like is part of his skin, but it's like he's still putting on makeup. Like you see him when he's out doing Joker stuff, and he looks different than he does when he's just in yeah. a cell. 
Oh, it's uh, theatrics. They yeah. kind of talk about some of that stuff of, of like, you know, you say that your crimes are all about entertaining, but really they almost come across as like performance art. Sure. I mean, that's just, you know, where you thing. die at the end. Yeah. 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 But uh, I thought it was a pretty good Joker story. It It is not a, uh, like I said, this this Joker story has been told multiple times i just feel that this is a more interesting take on a story that is already kind of a known quantity with yeah Joker. i just thought it was a cool like one-off story like not one-off it was like three issues or something but yeah like the whole black label thing in general i really like and like these elseworld yeah. stories that they can just do whatever they want and go off the beaten path a little bit not feel beholden oh. to canon or whatever which I think takes us to our last comic because it's uh-huh. also Black Label, and I think it is the best one out of all three of these. <gasps> which is Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Okay. I love the shit out of this. Which book. you almost did not get. I had to substitute this uh, because in stock trades where I bought the books was out of uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, which was the one I was most excited to get you to read because that's my favorite book of probably the last three or four years. To be fair, it also looks like that looks like a pretty good book, and I oh, bet I would have loved it a lot. Um, yeah, but yes, it got substituted really good. for Wonder Woman: Dead Earth, which yes, I I yeah. like Warren Daniel Johnson a lot. I really liked his previous series, Murder Falcon, uh, which is like a heavy metal themed book um, about a guy in a band who sort of conjures this like giant falcon that like a humanoid falcon with a headband and metal arm who uh, helps him fight monsters uh through the power of what is this a freaking jeff lemire character basically Uh, okay um yeah like his art in that looked really great uh and so then i saw like oh he's doing a post-apocalyptic wonder woman comic sign me up it didn't disappoint yeah it's great uh i have never read a Wonder Woman comic before in my life. What? Uh, of course, Wonder Woman has shown up in in other comics that I have read, but I've never read like this book is titled Wonder Woman. Not once have I ever done that. This is the first. You should read the Azarello series. A, what a hell of a way to start <laughs> with Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of get into the plot of this thing uh like you said it's post-apocalyptic wonder woman wakes up uh these scavengers kind of wake her up from like cryostasis she has no idea what's going on the world has been destroyed um and as she is finding out over the course of this thing uh trying to move these people back to trismiscus the mascara trismiscara the mascara trimiscia yep you got it okay She's trying to move them uh, back to her island because it's like probably the last safe place on Earth. Turns out, whoops, it's not. Probably the worst place you could go. Yeah, there's a Dark Souls the boss Amazons. waiting for you there. <laughs> That's right. Dark Souls boss is also your mom. Uh, oh, I was talking about the, the night lady. Oh, right. Yeah, her too. Um, but yeah, like the Amazons have been horribly mutated. Uh, by nuclear fallout because they had previously been in a war with humans and wonder woman's memory of this has mostly vanished it slowly starts to come back to her uh and her role in the apocalypse happening and i thought it was really neat like i don't mm-hmm. know much about the wonder woman character but her like they established very early like she she loves people she has a genuinely positive outlook on life she just wants to do right by everybody 
and then having to reconcile that with the things that she had done before she got put into cryostasis is really interesting it is that's also not at all what the character normally is uh which is like odd Uh, like real diana would never destroy the world on accident (laughs) but like the whole thing of her being like goku powerful uh being restrained by gauntlets is also not part of the character normally Uh, that's something made up for this okay uh because yeah yeah, i i don't really believe that she would hulk out and punch a hole through superman uh (laughs) it's awesome it is it is that's a great part but um yeah it's odd but it All the stuff the story. in the Fortress of Solitude was so good in this. Yeah. Just like r- Robo Superman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it just that... looks like a depressing little twerp. I mean, that's real. <laughs> comes out. Superman does yeah, have like Robo Superman. <laughs> yeah. He just comes out. He's like, hey, uh, Superman wanted me to let you inside. Anyway, he's on this throne. He's got a hole through his chest. Remember when you punched my master <laughs> to death? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Pretty much all of the characterization, I would say, is completely different. Like, you should know, being familiar with Batman, there's no way Bruce would just like sit on a couch and drink <laughs> until he dies and turns into a skeleton. Yeah, uh, I don't. I I liked that stuff though. Like that was one of my favorite bits of the comic because it had Batman in it. Well, but yeah. like, he has become irradiated. He's going to die. He doesn't have much time left, and so he's just like, I wish I could just murder Diana. But also, like, the only way that any of this gets fixed is probably diana yeah so puts her into cryostasis and then like i kind of got the sense that that was his little moment of retiring because uh gotham got blown up yeah there's nothing for him to protect anymore yeah like his mission is done it ended in failure but it's done and so he has this brief moment of respite before he himself ends yeah he just has a drink and he looks over everything he's like the one moment of peace that bruce gets to have in his life yeah i'm not saying it's a bad moment i'm just saying that i do not believe bruce would actually do that like he's so obsessed that i think he would not stop it's probably why i like batman so much is like i think a lot of batman like ties into obsessive compulsive disorder stuff it's a lot a lot of that character is just about him dealing with obsessions and not getting a fucking break uh but I, I would also this is, say this is why I, in my own obsession, own like thirty-five different collected editions of Batman comics, which that's is entirely it? too much. I probably own more than that. I've not sat yeah. down and counted in a while. Um, like um, I have to own more than that. I would say also, it's a similar situation to Murder Falcon, where I was drawn in by the art, but then found the story to be surprisingly good, like heartfelt and everything. Um, yeah. Murder Falcon in particular is largely about loss and uh dealing with a loved one who has a disease and stuff and this is not quite that heavy it's it's much more like eh, apocalyptic action i guess also i would say at some point daniel warren johnson apparently got way into guy davis and just like started studying his art because every monster in this looks straight out of bprd which i enjoyed yeah like it's yeah, a lot of like good. giant lumps of flesh with little protuberances and a bunch of tiny legs at the bottom. Like it's all yeah. really Guy Davis. Adorable little monster legs. Yeah. Um, Getting exploded yeah, the, by grenades. 
the way that action is communicated in this is really good too. Like everything, like when someone gets hit, you feel the impact of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I am always consistently wowed by action scenes and comics that do a good job of making it feel dynamic, of making every impact count and being readable. And I yeah. think all those things are true of the action sequences in this. But yeah, like uh, the heartfelt stuff too, like there's a character very early on who he's like a rapey leader guy. He is the one who is like running the show for this this group of people. And uh, they gift him Diana. He's like, ooh, ooh I have a new wife. Ooh. Anyway, he's, he's beat up and thrown in jail. <laughs> and then Diana's just like, I'm moving your people. You're kind of a scumbag, but you know them better than me. And I could benefit from your help. And like, as the story goes on, he seems like he's acting kind of genuine, helping people, but you kind of get the sense that he's a scumbag. Maybe he's like got a double motive until someone like Lasso treats him and he's just like, no, I genuinely just want to do the right thing. Like I realized I fucked up royally in my life and I just want to do right by everybody now. I was like, oh, that's really touching. So when he sacrifices himself later for Cheetah, it actually feels like genuine. Yeah. Uh, and, then, great. and then later... Uh... Diana rips out Superman's skull and spine <laughs> and uses that plus the lasso of yeah. truth to make a flail. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. This comic is great. <laughs> She's just braining guys with Superman's skull. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Super hard. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I always want a super hard Superman. Um Yeah, it's God, the, the action in it is really good. I, I think the character stuff is incredibly good too. Uh, I I like that the, this uh, D is kind of the other character. She's the um, uh, I guess like Chris Pine analog almost. Uh, mm. Minus any romance, but she's like you know the first human to come in contact with Diana in a really long time, and they kind of form a bond. But like D is incredibly trusting of Diana until she kind of finds out the real reason everything's gone down, and it puts this rift between them. And I feel they handled that stuff in a way that was really convincing too. Of that relationship never fully repairs, but you can see these little steps towards it where they're trying to work with each other again, trying to rebuild something between them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I feel that that led to a very good, strong end to that story too, of of her just Diana kind of being like, hey, I, I can't expect to have your trust back, but will you help me rebuild everything? Like the, uh, the series, this also reminded me a lot of Glory, which was sort of a reboot of like an old, it's like a Rob Liefeld series that nobody really cared about in the 90s. And they brought it back. It, like, it was funny because they kept the same issue numbering. And so if you get this, like the newer hardcover, it collects the new series, it just starts at like issue 22 or something. Mm. Um, I think Prophet did the same thing, which because it was the similar situation where he was taking an old character and doing something completely new with it. Um, but that. I got a lot of vibes from that in this series. And I would also yeah. highly recommend checking that one out. Larry, all these comics are good. Yeah. All of them. I, I think that if people want uh, some new stuff to read, they should read all these, even though it mostly spoiled them. But whatever. Yeah. It's a review. Eat my shit. <laughs> also, <laughs> by uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. I need to do Top that eventually. I, uh,. I am like waiting to be freed from uh, being enslaved to buying these berserk comics and JoJo's because it's just a money sink for me at this point. 
and it's hard to kind of add more books to buy. I already had to cut TMNT out of my life just because it was getting too costly. Also taking up a lot of space. Uh, but I would like to pick up the rest of Black Hammer, and I do want to get that Jimmy Olsen book. Um, and then I still got to read Rachel Rising, but like these others have been really good so far, and I've I've thumbed through Rachel Rising, and I really like the art in it. Yeah. Again, it feels feels a lot like Bone, both in terms of just the physical presentation of it, but also kind of just the very stark black and white artwork. Right. Well, also um, Terry Moore is like from that same generation as yeah. Jeff Smith. Um, and yeah. he's like kind of one of the last guys left that does everything himself. Like he self-publishes those yeah. books, he draws and even letters it, uh, which I very much respect. A welcome difference between that and Bone is the page quality, though. Like the the stock that they're using does not bleed through. Oh, that's good. Because yeah, in in Bone you can. <laughs> see the next few pages through every single page i was concerned about that because uh the only thing available was the paperback omnibus and so i wasn't quite sure about that because i would have preferred to get the hardcover but those went out print really fast Mm. Um, i need to flip through it again to make sure it's been a bit but i want to say that the stock quality is better on that and that it doesn't really have as much bleed through well i wasn't sure because it's not a super thick book considering it has like 36 issues in it or something oh no i think it's pretty thick i mean it, it's thick i by, put it next to both standards yeah well that's it for uh the comic talk i i read some books finally are they books though yeah comics really books yeah are comics comics and books are books no they're comic books they're books age-old debate i thought that comics were a lesser medium and that everyone reading them is a dumb dumb sucker well that's a true. comic artist said that on twitter once so it has to be true <laughs> and also real good way to sell me under a comic pal what artist said that i can't remember it's some dumbass who mostly does like web-based stuff but like i i think it was i think it was dylan who got into it with him and maybe it was somebody else but oh i remember this yeah was, it was like somebody who never like actually during... published anything yeah this was back during the uh when what's her name was making that statement about like comic books are not real books books are books what's her name it was an author she was okay. an author you had you had replied to her months yeah, ago probably but but yeah, like this guy ended up piling on to agree with her, and it's just like him going like, "Oh yeah, comics are a lesser medium and they suck," and he draws comics. Yeah. <laughs> so I I do vaguely right, remember never this. reading your stuff then. Yeah. Nobody was anyway. reading his stuff anyway. Nope. Wonder anyway, why. Anyway, that's it uh, for this week's yep. episode. Yeah. Uh. Well, I digested a lot of media in the last week. Yeah. So we probably could have put over. one of those segments off until next week, but oh well. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> next week we'll have nothing to talk about. It'll be great. Probably. I'll be like, I oh, don't know, here's this game. It's called Burning Force. It's an hour long. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, dinosaurs. The dinosaurs have big butts and also I've been